Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Iron and Soul podcast. Um, today on the show is my Brazilian jiu-jitsu wife, a.k.a. partner, Bert Cockley. He is just finishing up his master's in sports science at the University of Kansas and is the, oh shit, I've already lost it on my brain. All right, what is your job again, Bert? The physical performance manager for USA Cricket. If you didn't understand that, he is from Australia. Yeah. So for our one listener he <laughs> that listens to me, we have an Australian on today. So, Bert, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I was surprised when you asked me because I didn't know this was one of your side hustles. This is one of my side hustles that brings yeah. me zero dollars but brings me lots of joy. No, this is awesome. I was, I was excited when you asked me. So, this is Yes, good. so let's see. Who have you, who Trevor's been on. Yeah. He was on, I forget which episode he was on. Yeah, but we bullshitted with him. So, um, yeah, Joe was on. Yeah, had yeah, Joe yeah. on. So yeah, you're the third um, person from the school to to be on. So pretty excited to have you on. Nah, this is good. I'm excited. So Bert and I um, roll uh, and our partners a lot of the time during the the pandemic here in um, jujitsu, and um, to get um, everybody to understand this, he smashes me. <laughs> Almost all the time because he's huge and strong. Um, but uh, he didn't submit me the other day, so I was pretty proud about that. That's the first time since pandemic started. I think so. I think you've <laughs> submitted me almost every every time we've rolled. I think I that was the first. I had to take that neck crank out, so I had to readjust, and I didn't know, know what else to do. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I had to go legal, not illegal. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was legal, but I just I complain a lot, you know. I'm a little Sally when it comes to that stuff. That's pretty funny because every time I hear you, I keep thinking you've just detached something. <laughs> I know, right? I like I'm, just I'm like, he's so done. loud. That's him. That's him. <laughs> Matt's, good. Matt gets mad at me. He's been getting mad at me lately about uh, I say okay as opposed to tap, so I have to work on yeah. saying tap. Yeah. Yeah. With those tight shoulders, isn't it? Yeah. Fucking. This one's getting. It's finally getting better though. Like it hurts, but it's it's well, better. Like, I'm like real. After a couple of times, I didn't realize that you were so tight and you had shoulder issues. So every time I'm getting there, I'm like, just waiting, 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 waiting. I don't want to be like, just crank like a young fella. Oh, don't pretend that you're a nice guy. You go after that shoulder every chance <laughs> you get. There's not much movement there. <laughs> so, um, so we're just getting um, to discuss what Bert does for a living off top off air and i said whoa, whoa, whoa we gotta we got to um uh have this conversation on air so bert tell us tell the what it is that you do for a living yeah so i'm a, um, a strength and conditioning coach by i guess trade profession so um, post professional cricket career i transitioned into studies into uh, sports science and then at the ripe old age of 27 28 I started studying and then studied in um, uh, my wife's from Kansas so we relocated a big story in that we yeah tell us this is a journey story um, podcast so whatever whichever way you want to go yeah what well, we'll get into that we'll I'll tr just streamline into finish my studies move to America and then um, I was fortunate enough to um, connect with USA cricket so being having played in cricket in Australia professional cricket I use my contacts when moving and um, was fortunate enough to uh, be on the ground when USA cricket was rebuilding so uh, the history of USA cricket was it had a turbulent I guess history with the previous organization 
was sanctioned by the ICC, which is the International Cricket Council for, um, I'm not exactly sure, but there were some things going on behind the scenes that were just, um, wasn't um, by the books, okay. you could say. And so the International Cricket Council sanctioned them, um, banned them, and pretty much reformed uh, USA Cricket, which is now the new USA Cricket, which has been reformed in the last two years. And I came here at, just at that same point. And wow. so I was able, I've was i been able to ride the wave with the reorganization, the writing the constitution of USA Cricket, doing combines to... So I went to a couple of combines and slowly built up my engagement to uh, working with the team, doing all the strength and conditioning to now um, being the physical performance manager. So, so when you say USA... A cricket or USA cricket? USA. So you're the strengthening coach for, for the United States cricket team. Yeah. That plays all over the world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, USA cricket was in division four. So if you look at the world cricket, you know, there's the top uh, 12 playing nations, which is, you know, you're pretty much your Commonwealth countries, you know, like England, Australia, New Zealand, India, West Indies, the... Uh, countries that you know the old colonial mm-hmm. played cricket from that whole um, transition um, so they're the main cricket dominant countries in the world and so USA cricket <clears throat> the f- funny fun fact USA was the first country to play an international cricket game in the world against Canada in 1880 something oh shit I don't know the dates but it was USA and Canada were the first two countries to play an international cricket game and then it's funny the transition of USA and Canada in the cricketing world, they're not in the top, you know, Canada's I think in division two or three. Um, we're now division two. Um, so we started in four, now we're two. We're now in division two. We've, we've over the last four years, we've gone up the ranks. So we're in division two. Um, so right now we're in division two league playing in an ODI series over a span of three years. And if we make the top four, uh, four, two or four, we will transition straight into the World Cup, and that will be huge. Um, and if we make the World Cup, um, you know that that just brings a whole, you know, there's financial benefits, there's um, sponsorships, there's revenue, the players get exposure. There's also then there's three different formats in cricket. So we've got there's Test match cricket, which the top playing nations play, the top twelve nations in the world. So they'll play Test match cricket, which is over five days. The second format's 50 over cricket, which is 50 overs per innings. Per 50, team. what do you mean by 50 overs? Over. So let's say like baseball, there's a pitch. Mm-hmm. So one pitch. So for an over to be bowled in cricket, you've got to bowl six pitches. So you throw six. It equals an over. Equals an over. Okay. So you'll throw six at one end or bowl six at one end. That's one over. And then another guy will bowl at the other end six balls. And you just keep doing that for 50 overs or until there's 10 wickets. Okay. So each team has 10 wickets, 10 players, and you need to get 10 wickets for an innings to be over or whatever comes first. Either your wickets, the opposition's 10 wickets fall, or uh, 50 overs is bold. And so 50 innings, 50 overs per innings per team, and that's a one-dayer. And then... So a, a, a one inning is one day, can be one day. Um, no, it's only, it goes over probably three in three and a half hours. Okay. One innings. Okay. Yeah. But it's, you bat once. So you might go bat and score 
let's just say 300. Okay. Um, and the opposition, you know, gets 300 runs in 48 overs. Okay. And you've still got two overs to spare, or it could be you bowl them out in 35 overs because they've lost wickets and they might only get 200. Sounds really complicated. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a funny how, so baseball, the transition, transition from cricket. And so I always laugh and th- say that the Americans didn't like running. So they just half the field <laughs> and it became baseball. <laughs> they, they so true. <laughs> so lazy. <laughs> and they just said, let's just run around bases. Right. Um, Cause you guys run like a, up, almost a whole soccer, like close to a soccer field size, right? Yeah. It's a huge oval, um, mm-hmm. huge oval. So boundaries are, Either so either end so there's cricket pitch in the middle, and then the boundaries are could be sixty to eighty meters long from the center wicket each way. Um, so the boundaries are big. Uh, I think home runs would is probably further in baseball, um, but the variables in cricket you know you've got to bowl the ball into the wicket. Mm-hmm. Um, you can hit a six. If you hit anything over the rope, which is like a home run, it's six runs. The ball goes along the ground and hits the rope, it's four runs. Um, so it's a lot more. It's a 360 um, right. degree game. Um, so yeah, so USA cricket, uh, it's trending upward. It's really exciting time to be, yeah. in, like, in, to be involved. Um, so right now with the whole pandemic, you know, we were transitioning really nicely. We should have had... Um, I think three tour- tournaments and tours for the men. The women should have been on tours. The under 19s should have been prepping at the moment, and everything's just been on hold. So um, it's been a weird year for all the players. Uh, so next year for us, it's going to be massive. With you know, we have this, this three-year cycle of getting all these tournaments in mm-hmm. and games in, but now everything's just going to be clustered toward the back end, or even. They're gonna to have to push out the the scheduling. So you might you might be able to finish twenty nine, end of twenty twenty, right? Like November December, maybe. Uh, at this stage, I don't see us getting anything this year. Okay. Just with, just with the whole environment within the USA right now, um, other international teams, I don't think would be able to come here with, mm. you know, like the I guess if you're a an NBA or a major league baseball and you have the funds, you can bubble people, you can have the right. full um, screening, COVID testing, the this whole um, process to mitigate risks. You know, for an organization like USA Cricket, we don't have the funds of a major league baseball or an organization like that. So we couldn't do that. And then teams coming here, it's just unfeasible. So I think for us, it's, just get through this year. Everyone's still training at home, but it's 2020 is going to be a big year. And hopefully by then, you know, there's a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the, the coronavirus is uh, down to a level where you can travel. You're not worrying about contact with, you know, the the issue for us is because of all, all of our players still live in various regions of the US. So we might have guys in New York, guys in Florida, um, guys in... Um, San Fran, Texas, uh, some in Chicago, and then they've all got to come to a base and fly out somewhere. So it's from home to the airport, from the airport to oh, yeah. flying to, using public transport, getting on planes. 
so that risk is just they could we could say oh everyone's getting tested before you leave by the time they get to camp wherever it be in florida we could have five guys that have got it and we don't yeah. even know they test you got five day wait window it just becomes this mess so how this how do they practice if they're all over the united states where when do you and when and how do you practice even if there's no um pandemic so they all play in their local leagues okay uh, so there is leagues in their areas and that's probably what this is one of the big things happening with the usa right now is uh, unifying cricket in the u.s because okay. right now they're just independent leagues and they do their own thing and everyone's just in silos so the whole thing with this new governing USA cricket is getting everyone under the same banner and everyone's affiliated with USA cricket. There's a pathway into playing for USA cricket. There's competitions and it's all, we're all in this bubble together. Right? So it's similar to soccer in the sense, could be similar to soccer in the sense that we have all these professional soccer teams, but some of those players pay, play for the USA team yeah. that plays around the world for Correct. And then loses early and then doesn't go to the... Yeah, so where we're at... World Cup. <laughs> a good example is probably rugby and soccer. Okay. So soccer and rugby is where USA cricket is in the US probably might be five years. There, you can see that's how they're where they are. That's a good transit. Like that's a good model of where we okay. could be on the world stage with being in World Cups, um, being like a, I guess, a, a reputable... Uh, national body or governing body in the world okay. of cricket and respected. So, so how many players are you doing strength and conditioning for? So we, right now we have on the men, we have, um, 13 contracted and train on 32 men. Okay. 32 players. And then the women, we have 15, 16. So there's, you know, 50, nearly 50 players. Okay. So, um, yeah, so any given week that, you know, there's 50 players, there's, you're getting messages all through the day. Um, so are you, are you doing all of their programming? So you do all of their strength and conditioning programming? Yeah. So to make it easier on myself, I, um, you know, suggested we use an online platform. So I used to just do it all by Excel sheets mm -hmm. and um, PDF docs. And it was just hard to manage because mm -hmm. if something changes within a week, I've got to change the whole PDF and right. it was a nightmare. So it's just not a streamlined, oh, here's four weeks and it's just cut and paste. You know, if some place something happens, so I've got to update program. So what we've got is Team Builder. So it's an online uh, strength and conditioning um, programming uh, platform. And it's brilliant. It's So you, you USA Cricket buys that and then you get to put it all in for whatever you need it for. Yeah, yeah. So I okay. create the calendars. So there's calendars and the calendar might be men. So I can create various calendars and then levels to the calendars. So it might be men. And then within the men, it might be fast bowlers, uh, non-playing group, playing group. And so the playing group might be the people who are playing cricket right now. So their programs are a little bit different. And then non-playing, their programs are different. Mm -hmm. Women are the same. So I'm able to just go in and then individual athletes, I'm able to, because some of them have, um, they're proficient with Olympic weightlifting. So some of them I've got on Olympic weightlifting programs. Oh, right on. So I can, if an athlete comes in and says, oh, I've hurt my ankle, then I just go in and just change the program and it's really quick and easy. Is it hard to um, 
do it that way with not being able to put eyes on the athlete? Yeah, absolutely. That's been one of the difficult things. Um, and probably what, one, of, one of my biggest frustrations is, you know, you're a coach, you know, you coach and you coach's eye and mm-hmm. you want to get hands on and build relationships. I guess f- for me, it, you're not doing that. So trying to keep contact at, you know, every week I'm messaging everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I get them to send footage through of what they're doing. So the good thing with team builder, they can, um, I can, there's a, uh, there's a part in the app for, let's say I've got a power clean and they can video themselves and next to that exercise they can put in, I did 60 pounds of power clean and then they can video themselves and there's a video attached to that, uh, to that exercise. So okay. I can see, oh, this was their power clean. And it's, so they can videotape themselves doing the power clean. You could see and check yeah. their form and sh- if you, all and that it's all in the database. So I just go, uh, you know, power clean. And so it comes up on this big journal mm-hmm. on this dashboard on team builder and it just shows everyone's activity for the day. And it's got power cleans and squats. And so I can just look at everything really quickly. And wow. So it's made. That's my cool. Job. It's awesome. Um, I've, I used to be all Excel and, um, I fucking hate Excel, man. I've transitioned now to loving it. So we've got two platforms that we use for your sake. We've got team builder for all strength programs mm-hmm. and running programs. And then we have, um, catapult AMS. So catapults an Australian company, um, and they specialize in GPS technology. So it's like a vest. You see plays where it's like a, so it looks like a bra, a sports bra, mm-hmm. but in the back above the shoulders, it's a GPS unit and it just tracks, you know, your, how fast you run, acceleration, velocity, change of direction, deceleration, um, steps. Um, so all the players have one? We've got six units. So I just, we use it for the bowlers, purely okay. for the bowlers to okay. track. Um, their workloads and then just velocity, you know, so I could say, example, let's say player A, he runs in to bowl a cricket ball. You typically run in at like 20 meters and you bowl it at 140 kilometers an hour. So let's say 85 miles an hour. So he runs in at, um, 22 kilometers an hour. That's his like, um, zone at operating. That's his operating zone. Mm -hmm. So if he's running in at 22 and then all of a sudden he's now running in at 18, is now like to create the energy to bowl that same speed. The variables need to change to to create the same speed. Mm-hmm. So he's either going to have to muscle it, change his mechanics, which is then going to load up different parts of his body. So his spine, um, these things are just going to change. So I can say, well, hey, coach, you know, things are off here. What's something going on? His run up speed's low. So if you look at like an inverse relationship, either there's this zone of we want to be in this zone of where they operate on. So I'm able to use this technology to say either they're too far over the inverse and they're running in too fast, which is going to change things or they're running in too slow. So quantifying the program and actually using it to like to validate certain things, it's been really helpful. And so then, so like say they need to be running faster and have more um, power on the, on the, on the ball. Right. Yeah. And when I say ball, that's the same in my world as a pitch, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah a bull, you could then take that data and transfer it over to your strength and conditioning data and say, okay, you need to do more hill sprints or whatever and more pull-ups and, and power cleans or something like that, right? To transfer yeah. that yeah, so data. If So, you know, let's say a 50 over game, mm-hmm. they, they essentially have 60 pitches, 60 balls they bowl. Okay. You know, each ball they run in 20 meters. So... If you're running 20 meters over that 60 times, 
and if they're running in at 22 kilometers an hour that's that's like high speed running so they're running in at that's how many meters well, that 20 is. times 60 is zero zero 1200 meters so 1200 meters at uh 22 kilometers an hour so i can program to get them used to running in at that that velocity and but if they're bowling in a game and you know they'll bowl in spells they'll bowl four overs rest for four overs rest and then six overs maybe or okay. the variables of that change so i'm able to see if their last overs they're fatiguing then we need to look at what's going on with their training are they match fit um are they just purely just unfit we just need to get them conditioned and build up their base levels of you know the aerobic and anaerobic and start looking at that kind of thing um but then if they're collapsing at the crease sort of my study my thesis is on is using this gps technology so oh, that's I'm, right so i'm looking at um the gps device so it's like a plane so the roll pitch and yaw so pitches and yaw and how the plane moves within the air the device is exactly the same so how it it's got lateral flexion rotation and um forward and backwards so the the body does that when they bowl so what i'm looking at is in test match cricketers which is played over five days um and the bowler could be on the field and they might bowl 20 plus overs a day and it's huge work it's like one of the most physical things in sport bowling cricket bowling test matches um so i'm looking at is this gps device picking up once they fatigue is their body changing their mechanics to produce the same speed so once you become like an elite performer i might bowl 145 kilometers all the time but my run-up speed might decline a little bit but then to keep my performance and bowl the same speed i've got to change things with my body so i might rotate my shoulders more i might lateral flex my shoulders so my body's shifting to the left more or um so I'm looking at, is that picking up anything, any variables that we might not normally look at? So typically you look at like, oh, ball speed's changed, run-up velocity's changed, um, that kind of thing. So I'm able to, so I'm looking at that. Um, we're running through the data at the moment. I haven't seen the data. Okay. Um, so we're running, running that. And so it's quite interesting that cricket's probably, um, it's not like most sports where there's tons of research. So cricket now is, there's lots of research being done and it's, the like how to assess fast bowling and the variables into cricket and assessing it like from a sports science perspective is exciting like a lot more information is being put into it um you know how how does a fast bowler bowl fast I mean, those variables are being looked at a lot more with um a brace front front leg um hip and shoulder rotation um so it's really exciting so then i can use that with what i'm doing over here with the guys mm-hmm. um so how, with what's going on in the world, does the do you guys have a, a plan for when you'll get everybody together to kind of just view each other and do some practicing together, or is there a plan for that? Or yeah, well, at the moment, the my boss, um, uh, he's they're, they're trying to work through it. It's so difficult mm-hmm. with trying to forecast and plan, and that's something like we're always trying to. I'm trying to get information from him for is just a doing your strength and conditioning programs. It's hard to really know what you're forecasting for mm-hmm. or what am I planning for? So I can, <clears throat> we've got a tournament in two months, right? Now I'll backtrack and I'll plan for that moment and get the plays ready right yeah. now. It's, you know, there's nothing really to plan for. So at the moment this year, it looks like 
the tournaments we had uh, won't be happening. But there is a minor league tournament. So with um, so USA Cricket is now partnered and there's a joint venture with a company called Ace American Cricket Enterprises. Mm-hmm. And they essentially building a minor and major league cricket organization like a competition Mm -hmm. so there'll be a minor league and that's going to happen in i think maybe a month or two okay so that's taking place but where it was going to be you know like new york san fran these regions where the minor league teams were going to be and they're all going to play in this tournament and see the best minor league team is that won't take place so basically they'll play in their hubs where you can kind of mitigate risk and everyone's Mm -hmm. in their bubbles they'll play a modified version of the, what the minor league would be. Um, so that will take place, but that's not, I guess, under our banner, so to speak. Oh, okay. That's like, they're doing their thing, uh, the minor league. Um, but then those guys will transition into playing for the USA, and that's when they'll come under our, I guess, banner and be affiliated with us. So a couple questions. What's the average age of a, of a cricket player? Professional, I guess, would be this would be professional, mm. I guess. Um, probably, they've gotten younger. Probably mid twenties, mid to late twenties. And then how long? How long do you play if you if you're pretty much injury free? Batters last longer. Okay. They'll last uh, if they're performing. They just get to write there. You know they can just decide when they okay. when the time's right. For bowlers, you know that's where I was. I was a fast bowler. I was done at 26, 27. Okay. Um, just because the the stress that's put on your body just to play day in day out is, you know, you're putting like ten times your own body weight through your front leg. Every time you bowl a ball, how much? How much does the ball weigh? It's 156 grams. Okay. Um, you know, it's. I think it's nearly about the same as a baseball. Um, but yeah, the bowlers' bodies there. Um, it's a hard. It's a hard job. So that's why for me, when I'm looking after the bowlers, it's making sure they're physically fit enough, mm-hmm. physically strong enough to just to do the task. So for me, I'm always on the bowlers. They've got to be physically ready to to play if they're not physically ready to play and um, they haven't got the work capacity to, to do the job, then it's like, well, if we go on a tour, cause our tours are pretty rough. You know, we could play five, uh, 50 over games in seven or eight days. So there might be two 50 over games day off two day off another game. So the workloads for the bowlers is huge. So they might run, you know, like in a one, the bowler might run 15 kilometers, in one game, then he comes out the next day and does it again, has a day off and then goes again, goes again, rest day. So it's physically taxing. Um, so for the batters though, it's <laughs> they just go out and bat and right. run between the wickets. Um, but then it become it becomes physically exerting if they end up batting. So it's unlike baseball, you know, you hit, you might hit it and you get on base and that's it. Then you just might run around the bases or you get um, run. What's it called? An out or an out. tagged out or whatever. Tagged out. Like, I don't know. I'm not but in cricket, you can bat 50 overs. Oh, okay. Or in a test match, you can bat for two days until they get you out. So you might be out there for six hours batting, just hitting. So you don't have to play at the ball. You, there's no strikes. Okay. So if a batter, the batter could go out there first ball and get out. And then that's end of innings for him. He goes and sits down for the next for the rest of the innings. Oh, shit. But he could bat and be out there for six hours. Oh, in a wow. test match or in a one-day game, he could bat the whole 50 overs. Okay. And he's out there for three and a half hours, which is then mentally taxing and then physically, you know, so if you have a GPS unit on him, he might run up to like 10 Ks or something Okay. in that period. So when, when did women start playing cricket? 
Um, so in the, well, our women's head coach, Julia Price, she played for Australia. She okay. was the wicketkeeper for Australia, which is like the um, catcher. Okay. Uh, she played one World Cups. She's awesome. Uh, we're really lucky to have her involved. Uh, it, I guess it's been played, I wouldn't say as long as the men's game. It's been around, but I guess the professional, uh, becoming professional, um, like the first big contracts, I remember when I was playing in Australia, the contracts were starting to get handed out 2000, you know, like 2010, probably earlier, 2005, 2010, mm-hmm. in that window. They were actually, they were able to do it as a living. Um, but now they've, they're, it's their job in Australia, like the, and in England, New Zealand, but in America, you know, there's no full contracts yet. Okay. Um, there's, I think we only have 300, nearly 300 registered women playing that we know of. Okay. So it's not many. Right. Um, which is a difficult thing in the USA. Um, the game is pretty much, you know, if you've come from Australia, England, New Zealand, or you've immigrated and mum and dad, you know, are from those countries or you're from India, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, those countries or the West Indies if you're Caribbean. So if you're from those countries where cricket is one of the main sports you play and grow up playing, then you stick to the game. But so living in the USA, most people don't know about it. So getting kids to Oh, into playing it, into right? Playing the game and then so most like I grew up playing cricket on the street. You know, like most kids would be playing basketball on the street here. Mm-hmm. So I just grew up playing cricket. It's all I knew. But here how getting kids to like be introduced to the game um, through schooling, college, it's it's not there. So that's the difficult thing, trying to introduce the game, you know, I guess, across the country. And so we now have um, a uh, development officer who's developing, uh, a, I guess, a system across the US to implement um, game growth, participation. So start trying to figure out how to get kids into it. Yeah. So then they can build stronger players over time, right? Cause, yeah. Because so problem with like USA soccer. is that you, you you might have good players, but they've only been playing for less time than say you yeah. who grew up playing it. And that's the correct. And so if you've if you've only been playing for a couple of years, you, you don't really have a whole lot of mastery no. with your craft. So no. the um, so everyone that's playing here in the USA, they're predominantly like they've immigrated and they're living been living here oh, for a while. That makes so sense. They've all well, our team we have. There's no traditional white American in the team. It's all um, Indian, Sri Lankan, um, South African, and Caribbean. No shit. Yeah. So they're all been. That's all, fucking awesome. They've all they've all been they've all moved to the US for work, mm-hmm. not to play for USA. They've moved for work for tech. Um, uh, mum, maybe mum and dad immigrated, and then they just kept playing cricket, and then they got picked for the USA team. Yeah. So that's pretty cool, though. Yeah. So it's. Um, there is a lot of people playing within the USA, but the difference between people playing, I guess, in the USA compared to in Australia is the standard gap. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it'd be like playing baseball in Australia compared to playing baseball. Right. There's so much more quality here just because there's more volume, mm-hmm. which then the cream rises to the top and then you've got better players. So for us, it's trying to like create like a, 
a formalized system where there's proper coaching. Coaches know how to coach. Um, there's access to facilities to train in, um, better playing facilities. Um, there's a pathway to play for the USA, trying to like, where's all the talent? Like, are we missing people? Is there people falling through the net that we don't know about? Because it's such a big country, you know, once we can get all that sorted, like, so soccer is a perfect example. It was nowhere, I guess, 15 years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. And now the women win, winning the World Cup, um, oh, it dominating. Changed. Yeah. It's in college systems. So for us, it's like, that's the perfect, it's a good model. Whether we get into college systems, probably it's another. I don't know if that would work because it's not really, you're competing with baseball, NFL, trying to get the volume of players to get into a college system and introduce co- cricket into the college system is probably difficult. You, I would think, and this is just me not knowing shit, right? You'd want to introduce it into smaller schools yeah. that don't, Ha- that don't have a real sports um, heavy system. So then you introduce cricket to to a smaller liberal arts school. Mm. People are going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go play that instead. It's more intellectual or whatever the fuck, right? And mm. So in Maryland, Maryland's in New York? Where's Maryland? Maryland. The, the state? Yeah. So Maryland? Is it Maryland the state? Yeah, Maryland's the okay. state, dude. So well, I know. This. Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> Baltimore. Yeah, Maryland. Well, what the fuck? You made me even question my shit. <laughs> fucking, fucking Australian made me question. <laughs> Maryland was a state. It's near Canada. <laughs> the, they've got a real good program. So they've introduced it into primary school uh, or elementary school. And there's a heap of kids playing it and it's brilliant what they're doing. And so that model is like, and that's all been done from a guy who's American, didn't know cricket. And then he started watching it one day and he's a school teacher and created a PE class for cricket. Oh, that's cool. And then as a part of the curriculum. And then he started a youth program extra, like um, uh, on weekends. And he's just taken upon himself to do it. Um, and that's brilliant. And we need, we need that across the whole country. That's super cool. Um, do, you, do you do their um, diet at all? Do you work on their foods and what they're eating? Or are you guys doing that at all yet or what? I have. Um, yeah, so I, um, you know, had contact with a lot of players individually around how to like just look at what I'm eating and how to structure meals. Mm-hmm. You know, I typically just run around like macros, like right. you need to understand how much protein you're eating a day, how much carbs and fat, how to play around with those variables depending on what the day looks like. So mm-hmm. if, we, if we've got a big training day, you know, have more carbs, have a bit less fat, um, this how much protein you need daily and getting them to understand how to calculate it. Mm-hmm. So it's just a very like basic way of looking at it. And I'd get on Zoom and I'd get my whiteboard out and I'd draw it. And uh, so it was really helpful for him just to getting a basic understanding of what is nutrition mm-hmm. in the simplest form. This is my macros. And then how do I go about my day to get this is my total calories. Then how do I break down my meals, each my protein and before and after training. And um, so I've been able to do that and I've like, studied it and but at the moment we've got i'd much prefer to like go well he's our nutritionist which Mm -hmm. we're not that lucky at the moment to have you know sports psych we don't have nutritionists we don't have a team of um people who we just go because i'm so busy go to see this person go see the nutritionist go see the sports psych i'll be the sports psych 
There we go. You get the get the um get, on get your coach to get <laughs> start. I'll start contract. I'll be their sports guy. We can do Zoom discussions about mindfulness and where their mental game is. Well, that's like so where we're at. That's the biggest pieces is yeah. basic understanding of or education on their athletes. And then um, I mean, when I was an athlete, you know, people just assumed you you knew what you're doing and that you're like um, immune to um, so professional athletes they always feel at some point in your life you're going to be exposed to some kind of hardship and athletes experience that kind of thing i think earlier because you're dealing with um expectation you got to perform and then you got the public who want you to perform and if you don't perform then they're on your back and then you know relationships and all this kind of thing so i think athletes they're young they're still trying to find their way in the world get exposed to it really early and with they don't know how to cope so that kind of stuff mindfulness like oh yeah basic like sports psychology or just psychology like interventions around planning um, mindfulness um, you know uh, more of the um, the key stuff around it but them understanding that is like big so our female um, women's coach Julie she's big on it every week they've got PD readings to do and we're big on, you know, we might have a week off and we'll give them articles on why do you need to have a week off? Like yep. here's education on this, the, here's the science behind, here's some why we need to have time off. So they're actually like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, or right. planning or how to plan their days out. Because most of the women, they work full time, mm-hmm. plus their mums. And then they expect they got to exercise and practice and yeah. play games. And yeah, it's about, it's about time management. Yeah. How to, well, and what's, what's interesting is that I've worked with, um, a few athletes from the, the local, um, university here and, and a couple other surrounding universities. And just because you play at college level or professional level, doesn't mean you have self-worth, yeah. right? You still have the same issues that anybody else has, right? right? Where you, you don't think you're worth anything. You, you think you're a fraud, you know, you have, um, uh, body image issues. I mean, all of the same things. They're just people like we are, yeah. but they're competing at a higher level with more expectations yeah. or different expectations, I should say. Yeah. So, I mean, when I first started, I got contracted at 21. So I was a country kid. Um, so I was living in Newcastle, born and bred, which is a coastal town, two hours north of Sydney. Okay. Grew up there, surfy town, big sport town. Um, moved to Sydney when I was 21 to pursue cricket. And we always called people from Sydney like silver spooners. Oh, uh, yeah. So, you know, they're, like they're born with a silver spoon in their mouth or on yeah. their nose or whatever. Yeah, yeah. so they had their nose stuck up. And yeah. so, because we were from the country, you know, we'd always, um, we're laid back and more relaxed about life. And I remember going to Sydney and everyone dressed in nice clothes and they moisturized. And I'm like, the fuck is wrong with you people? Moisturized. <laughs> <laughs> and so. <laughs> Um, moving to Sydney was like a big eye-opener for me because Newcastle, they called it the Steel City. Mm-hmm. So it was a big mining town, um, you know, blue chip, uh, blue collar people, mm-hmm. um, just worked hard. Um, but then going to Sydney, it was, you know, people went to C- C- Sydney CBD and worked in the business. Isn't that, isn't that the one that like you, or is that Melbourne that has the thing on the, in the, in the Harbor, like the big. Yeah. Melbourne. Is that Melbourne? Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's across like, the country, right? Well, there's Melbourne South, so it's Sydney, or well, Newcastle's two hours north of Sydney. So Newcastle, Sydney, Melbourne. 
Right. Canberra, the capital of Australia, is in between Sydney and Melbourne. Okay. A bit like Washington. They just couldn't decide, so they put in the middle. Yep. Um, and then Perth is on the other side of the country. So it'd be like New York and LA. Okay. And Perth's on the other side of the country. Okay. We're going to pause here for a second. I got to piss. Yeah, you're good. And then we're going to get to your time in yeah all right we're back so you're so to pick up the conversation um you're talking about when you moved to sydney to for to try out for or try to go professional yeah yeah so living in newcastle you know it's still a good con like it's still really high standard cricket but to play professionally you have to go to the major cities in australia so in new south wales i'd have to go to sydney queensland you'd have to go to brisbane okay Western Australia, Perth. So moved to Sydney. Um, so it was funny, like I went through school and uh, everyone was always like, but what are you going to do? I'm like, I want to play cricket. I want to be a professional cricketer. I want to be a professional athlete. That was almost my dream. They're like, well, what if it doesn't work out? And I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. Like whatever. Like it does, I don't know. Um, so I did a couple of, I did an apprenticeship in carpentry, in house building. Um, I quit, went to England for six months on a scholarship to play cricket when I was 18, so I went there. Meanwhile, all my mates back in Newcastle, they were doing apprenticeships in, elect- in electricians and mm-hmm. boiler making, and they're kind of getting ahead in life, and I'm just like, I come home from England, and I'm working on building sites as a laborer. Oh, yeah, I remember like, those days. Just shit kicking around. And, yep. um, you know, that job would end after half a year, and then I'd work on the docks in Newcastle, on the shipping do- docks, building like um, straps for the ships and... Um, so I wasn't doing a whole lot. And it's funny when I look back, um, you know, like I was pretty raw and naive when I was younger. And, um, you know, I look at kids, I was a GTA at KU and all those kids are, they're like, I'm going to university. I'm going to get an education. I'm getting a degree. And this is my, I was just like, I'm playing cricket. I was so tunnel visioned. And. But just to, not to totally take you such but that's what you have to be to be a professional though. Yeah. You have to have that tunnel vision and that dream. Yeah, now when I look back, you know, I've read and studied and that quality, uh, like I've, I've learned to realize like that trait, I guess the trait I've, that I have and so does like a lot of other people, like I'm thankful for it because mm-hmm. it's like you, yeah. you don't have tunnel vision, you know, like I was just, I didn't care about anything else. Like my mates were like, well, what if it doesn't work out? And I'm like, I don't care. At least I'm doing it. I don't want to be here hanging out in Newcastle um, fucking doing nothing. You know, and then thinking, oh, I wish I'd shoot cricket and not sure about my dream. And so that was like, I was just so tunnel vision. I'd work out, <clears throat> I'd work all day as a laborer on a building site. And then I'd go to the gym every day. I'd go to the nets and bowl. And so I was like working hard, just mm-hmm. trying to get there. And so I was doing that for years in Newcastle before I moved to Sydney. So I moved to Sydney, 21. Um, I was playing in all the rep teams in Newcastle for New South Wales country. The, I was getting picked for that team. And... I was getting teams in Sydney asking me to move down and play for them in the comp there. And so I finally moved at 21 because I thought, all right, I'm, I've kind of proved to myself that I might be, have some ability that I can, I'll see where it goes. So I finally moved at 21 and um, as soon as I got to Sydney, um, I like just I settled in straight away and performed. I was bowling fast. I was bowling rapid, bowling quicker than everyone. I went into state practice state practice is basically the the state team the new okay. state. it'd be like the royals okay i'd go into the royals and i'm like a a net bowler or i'm just like a pitcher for the batters and just serving them 
you know, so I was, wasn't contracted. I was going in for free and I was just bowling at them as a, um, as someone to bowl balls for the batsmen. And, and they were just like, who, who are you? Where have you come from? And they, I had a beard. They're like, they're like, who's this old guy? I'm like, I'm 21. I'm 21. <laughs> I come from Newcastle. He's been grinding away his whole life. And f- straight away, I got picked in the second 11 team, which would be like the the minor league team. Mm-hmm. Um, went to all their practices. I, still, I was working at a ground mowing lawns mm-hmm. just to make money. I was living in Coogee, which is just it's like 400 meters from the beach. Life was awesome. So I'd mow lawns. I'd go bowl and then sit on the beach all day. It was great. It was a great existence. And uh, it took me three, four months of living in Sydney. And I got picked for my first game to play professionally. And that was like my dream. So was it, did you get picked for a team? New South Wales. New South Wales. And is that the Sydney team or is that a, a area team? Tell me, like, explain yeah. that a little bit to me. Yeah, so I, when I moved to Sydney, I played for Randwick Petersham in the Sydney grade comp. And there's, oh, I forgot, nearly 15 teams in the Sydney grade competition, which is one of the best grade competitions in the world. Okay. Um, probably like a minor league team, minor okay. league setup. Okay. Then the level above that is then state cricket. So okay. state cricket is New South Wales, so the Australia is broken up into states and territories. Okay. So Australia had its own first class competition and that was New South Wales, Queensland, Western Australia, Tasmania, South Australia, uh, Tasmania. We'd all play against each other okay. in the Australian uh, domestic comp. Okay. And that's professional. So that'd be like the major league okay. baseball. So you, so three months in, yeah. you're at the professional level. Yeah. Debut okay. played. Um, and so in Australia, it's really big. It, it's called the baggy. It's like a golfer's like cap. It's like a uh, felt cap. It's just historic in cricket. And so I've right. got my baggy blue. It was pretty special. It's a big deal. Yeah. Um, got a contract. So I finished that year out, got a contract. And that was my first ever big preseason as a professional athlete. And it was awesome. Like, so I was still, I was mowing lawns. And as soon as I got my contract, I remember the guy I was working with, Devo. Um, I was like, mate, I'm done. I'm done being a full-time athlete and it was awesome. Like it was like, it was a really cool moment because I was like, I'm actually being paid to go to the gym, to run, to oh, take God. care of, like it was, I'd call it work. Like I'm going to work today, boys. And I was living with some mates and they were just like, you know, don't call it work. <laughs> you wanker, <laughs> don't call it work. <laughs> yep. You're going to play cricket. And so I was pretty lucky. And that opened up my, my eyes to like another realm of, so, you know, we had an SNC coach, we had physios, we had, the whole um, sports psych, everyone was involved and it was, I loved it. So we got to train at the New South Wales Institute of Sport and I'd been in the gym since I was 15. I played rugby league, so mm. my mates, they took me to the gym and we were in the gym from when I was 15 and loved it. And so by the moment, by the time I got to playing professionally and I was my first preseason, I was like, I didn't know I could, this was even a career option, being a strength and conditioning coach or training people and when i was at high school like no one was like oh you can be a string conditioning coach right um so it took a while for the penny to drop for me and but i was still playing cricket and i loved working out and i'd always i'd chew the ear off our snc coach around what am i doing here and he introduced me to t nation and you know all these ah, um, i love that and or introduced me to all these platforms Fucking to read platform and, man. Cressy and mike robinson and i just like so i was playing 
I just like got into this whole new world of, um, of um, you know, like coaching, and I was still playing, but my cricket career was um, was an interesting one. So I'd contracted my first full year as a contractor cricketer. I was the leading wicket taker for New South Wales. So I took the most wickets, which is like the most, I guess, strikeouts. Okay. So most wickets, um, leading wicket taker for the year. Uh, the season finishes. Um, I get picked for Australia A. I go to the IPL, which is the Indian Premier League, which is a huge tournament um, in India. Well, we went to South Africa that year because there was bomb threats in India. So we went to South Africa. Went to South Africa. Um, and I'm around just the best cricketers in the world from all over the world just in this one place. And my heroes who I was watching on television a year and a half ago in Newcastle. You know, so I'm, the... How it's quick fucking it wild, man. How quick it happened and how my life just like, um, it just was on this like, it was moving really quickly. Um, you know, like I bought a house after two years. Um, you know, my mum and dad never owned houses, never gone to school. And I was just like so lucky. Mm-hmm. Like where I'd ended up and the hard work and I guess the, I guess the sacrifices more than anything. Because I, it was very easy to be like, no, I'm just going to stay here and just hang out, go to the pub every weekend and you know, just work on a building site. I'm good. But I was just like, for some reason, I was just like, I don't want this. This isn't the life I want. I want to actually like see what I'm capable of. And I guess that mindset I've had my whole life is I'm living in the USA <laughs> and I went to university at 27 and just the decisions I've been able to make is like just been, they've been hard ones, but I've been constantly trying to just like challenge myself to like oh you're better than that like you really don't even know what you're capable of because I was never smart at school struggled I barely got through high school um was never going to be earmarked to go to university and you know like end up with a degree play professional cricket so back up a little bit how why'd you start playing cricket uh injuries okay. so yeah my uh, playing career was uh, like turbulent so when the IPL came back and I had stress fractures in my back and it was a bulging disc, sorry, bulging disc. So I was out for six months. Um, bowling coaches told me I needed to change my action. I didn't want to. So um, changed my action to keep everyone happy. Then um, start playing again. I get picked for Australia. So the this is like the national team which okay the, this that's my big dream mm-hmm. i get picked for australia we fly to india um i'm about to debut for australia i'm about to play india and a monsoon hits so this was the last game of the tour coach said you're playing get ready i'm like oh, i'm pumped i can't wait right this is awesome monsoon hits games called off we're actually sitting on the team bus about to leave for the ground we're all sitting there and team manager walks on and says uh we just got phone call the game's off i'm like fuck last game of the tour um i was shattered like i bet i was that close to playing for australia which is a big thing like that's what you want to do in australia Mm -hmm. um anyway we fly home next game i get a stress fracture in my back i'm out for nearly 10 months is that from running like running on the bowling so when you land because there's 10 times your body weight going back up through your leg and then you're bowling and so your spine rotates or lateral flexes. Okay. And so that constant force 
ball after ball. That twisting. Yeah, twisting and talking. Mm-hmm. Basically, the spine and then the pars, the little um, mm-hmm. things hanging out. Basically, I've got a stress fracture. Okay. Which is big in cricket. Same as baseball. It's very typical or similar injuries with the spine. Okay. And end up with a stress fracture. Same deal. They said, let's change your action again. Um, I'm like, I don't want to. Let me go back to my old action. It was working for me. I was performing, bowling quick. Um, they're like, no, nah, we've got to go. We've got to change it. You know, you've got to have longevity in the game. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'm going. I'm not going to be in the game too long. Right. So at this point, I didn't feel like I had support from the coaching. And so I'm like, if I don't agree with them, then I don't feel like I'm going to have support from these people. So it's kind of like this young, naive kid was too afraid to speak up for himself. I was like, okay, I'll do, I'll do that then. But I knew it was, I'd fatigue, my action would you know, break down and I'd load up my body in ways that I shouldn't have been. Um, so I knew that and explained it. They said, no, nah, we've got to change it. So I changed my action, came back from a stress fracture, tore my side out for six weeks, came back again, tore it again. I was out for 10 weeks. So I needed longer on the sidelines to let it heal. This time I'd been out of the game for going on nearly two years. Oh, wow. I'd gone from, to the IPL, bulging disc, went to Australia, got picked for Australia, didn't play, but I got a stress fracture and then two side strains. Yep. So this took so long just to come back. And I'm like, I said, I'm going back to my old action. I don't care what you guys are wanting. I'm going back to my old action. Like this has been two years out of my life and I haven't been playing. And if the way I'm going, I'm not going to have a contract anymore. And so they're like, okay, we, we, you know, we trust your decision. And I'm like, <laughs> you yep. can say that. You know, two years later. Yeah. So I ended up, um, recovered and I started playing at Christmas time. So in Australia, you play from September, October, October to April. So Christmas time, I finally come back and I felt amazing. Body was good, felt strong. And I was bowling and I tried to bowl a bouncer. So bouncer is where you dig it in short or you bowl short and it bowls at the head. Mm-hmm. So I bowled a bouncer and as I've landed, my leg hyperextended and I snapped my ACL and oh, tore my uh, meniscus. And But it didn't hurt. It was really weird. It didn't hurt. Yeah. And I'm like... That's just popped, right? Just popped. Like I felt it shift my mm-hmm. leg. So when I bowled, like my leg was braced. It was a braced front mm-hmm. leg and not much should should happen. And but apparently I was the only case in cricket. So I emailed everyone in the community in England and the networks. Like one of our players has hyperextended his leg bowling. Like, has anyone heard of this? And no, it was like, nope. We've heard of it following through. and uh, But anyway, so I ended up, got a scan. ACL ruptured, meniscus torn, got surgery and they used hamstring. So both hamstring bundled it up, put it into my knee. It's all good. Went home that night. So your own hamstring? Own hamstring. Okay. Yeah. And then went home that day. Felt good. Woke up the next day. I was like, I don't feel good. And I was hot and cold. And um, my dad was looking after me. He was good. He came down from Newcastle. I'm like, dad, is it hot? And he's like, no. I'm like, oh. Is it cold? He's like, nope. And oh, he's like, shit. we might have to take you back into hospital. So I went back to the surgeon and ended up with staph infection. Oh, fuck. So I ended up, he took me in, had surgery again, cleaned my knee out, mm-hmm. flushed it. Um, I was in for, I think, three or four days, something like that. And went home again, still no good. My knee swollen up, 
it was it was bad and I was still no good. Went back in to see him and I was in a fetal position on his bed and he's like, we, we're going to send you in again. So he sent me straight to hospital. He had surgery on me like a few hours later. Opened my knee up and where the screw was holding the grafting, so mm-hmm. you can still see the little divot. Mm-hmm. So the screw was holding in my graft and that was all bleeding and infected. And so he basically took out my graft. So I remember I woke up and I woke up and I'm like, nurse, like what's happened? What's happened to my knee? And she's like, oh, probably just wait till the surgeon comes. And I was freaking out. And anyway, he comes in, he's like, oh, I've got some bad news. The graft was all infected. And we're worried that if it got into your bone, into the marrow, oh, yeah. if it got into your, if it had spread to your organs, you were just in trouble. So I had to take it out. So then I had no ACL for 10 weeks. So they took oh, the graft shit. out. 10 weeks, no ACL. Um, I just started, I'd been with Rach, who's my wife, for I think about a year at this point. And so I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to America. I'm going to be with Rach. I'm getting away from everyone. Like this is the last two and a bit years has just done my head in with injuries. Mm-hmm. And I was now no ACL. That's my front leg. I don't know if I'm even going to be able to play cricket again. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I was 24. And ended up, they're like, you're not going to America. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I can't go. Like, why is so resistant? They're like, well, there's no fucking healthcare system. You know? <laughs> so true. And they're like, if you go there and you get staph infection, you know, like they said, how much money have you got in the bank? I'm like, well, they're like, well, that's what's going to come down to. Like, if you have no insurance or anything, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. And so they wrote letters saying, you're not leaving the country. Like, we're not letting you leave to go to America at all. And until I'd actually got like a clear, um, uh, bladder na- analysis showing the infection had gone. Mm-hmm. So I came over here um, for I think about four weeks. Um, I was skinny. I'd lost eight kilos in oh, 10 geez. days. I was bad. I was real bad way. And then went back to Australia. I ended up getting a cadaver put in my oh, neck. Good. Yeah, so cadaver. Um, and it was a big, big, um, I think it was a, it was the anterior tibialis. Oh, nice. They didn't use the... What's the, the back? Wow. Why am I supposed to that? They typically use either patella, hamstring. But for this, they used um, anterior tibialis, the tendon. They never... I thought they used the Achilles too. Do they use not use the Achilles yeah, for the... I don't know. Uh, for a graph? Um, well, they end up using that and it was... So he's, he was from Queensland. <laughs> ah, so strong. Yeah, so it was like, make sure he's a weightlifter. Yeah. But I ended up... I used that and um, the rehab from that was... So I, went, I was like an insomniac for a long time, just stressed. I was stressed mm-hmm. out. You know, I was like young. I was performing, doing so well, and then just my body gave out. So every, like, this is where, you know, you being a psychologist, and it's funny as a sportsman, your identity is sport. Oh, yeah. It's only, the only thing people know you by. So the conversations ever since I was, I went professional was, oh, how's sport? How's mm-hmm. cricket? How's cricket? How's cricket going? Not, how are you? Right. And so the conversation shifted from how are you going to, How's your sport? Why aren't you playing? Why are you always injured? And it's like, I just got the point where I'm like, fuck it, I'm not speaking to anyone. You know, like things became like ingenuine. And mm-hmm. so I basically, as a as a defense mechanism, you basically stopped talking to everyone. Right. So I became like an insomniac, shut off from the world. Depressed? Were you depressed and anxious? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Big time. Yep. I was, um, like when my brother, he committed suicide. I wasn't at that point. So... I knew what depression was, what it felt like, but I did. I wasn't at the point of like. Um, so for me, I was 24. My brother committed suicide when I was uh, 18, 
How old, how old was he? 34. Oh, wow. Yeah. Quite a bit older, 16 years older. Okay. Yeah. So I knew what I'd experienced that. Mm-hmm. And so I was always like, tried to be a bit self-aware with how I was going, but I never spoke about it. Right. But I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. You know, like I seen what my dad went through. I seen what my family went through. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like, I think I'm all right, but this isn't right. What I'm feeling mm-hmm. and I know what I'm going through isn't normal. So I didn't talk to anyone, but I'd, you know, have outbursts and I'd be frustrated and, um, probably the best thing for me was that I was with, with Rach. Mm-hmm. That was like my stability. And she's a psychologist. She's a clinical doing her masters in clinical psych now at KU. So she, she was like my bouncing board. Um, but we were still doing a long distance relationship. For three right. Years. So it was, I wasn't, we weren't around each other all the time. Um, so getting through that period was really difficult cause I had to rebuild my body again. Um, I had to learn to bowl again. I had to get strong again. I had to get confidence back in my knee. Um, you know, the whole, um, psychology component around like trusting and believing in the process and oh yeah, like, so I had to do like this week, I'm going to do this. And then if I can do this, then I'll transition to this and then I'll transition to this. So there's these little benchmarks I'd have in place. So I, I nearly like, I hadn't given up, but I'm like, I can't see myself ever playing professional cricket again. Like, right. My knees just cooked. It was, there's no way I'm going to run and just slam my front leg and bowl again with how it was and I got back to playing in a year no shit yeah so I got back to playing um, my leg was never the same so I couldn't lock my leg out mm-hmm. because of all the surgeries and the scar tissue and the tendon or the ligament that they put in was so tight and big it was just like the tension I couldn't straighten my leg out again mm-hmm. so I bowled with a bent leg rather than a straight leg um, so got back playing though that year the end of that season i came off contract so then i was like well fuck what am i gonna do so i ended up um i moved to western australia which is the other side of the country right i lived in perth for four years and i went there and it was basically my last ditch effort at playing professional cricket so i changed systems i was in i'm like i'm getting out of this system that changed me and i didn't feel like i had support Mm -hmm. um so i went to western australia and i was on my own and it was good i could like make some decisions. Um, I felt like I'd experienced enough physically and to know what I needed and I ended up getting back and I played for Western Australia after I was out of the game for four years, three, four years, something like that. And between first class games, which is a huge deal. Yeah, and, that's a big deal, dude. Yeah, so that was nearly, apart from playing first class cricket, that was nearly like achievement-wise on a sporting field. That was that was up there just having overcome all those years of like disappointments so i got back to playing was doing well and um got a contract did all that and then ended up season started the following year and i landed awkwardly and i tore my meniscus again <laughs> Shit, of course well that's yeah. what usually ends careers right is not is injuries yeah of any i mean in any sport right especially for bowlers so i yeah. did my meniscus and that was it and that was the start of the year in October. And I'm like, fuck this. Like, I finished the year off. Um, but it was going back to, um, you know, sports science. That's mm-hmm. when I was like, all right, this is now I'm studying. So I started putting the things in place. You know, like, if I want to actually, like, have a career and be able to make money and have a purposeful life after cricket, I need to actually have, like, a, 
have something to put my energy in and that was I wanted to become a strength and conditioning coach so that's when when I hurt my knee again as much as I was disappointed I was like I'm done with this shit mm-hmm. like this constant battle of and I'm, I was lucky I think it wasn't all I had like I'm glad I had all those injuries because it actually gave me perspective in life right if I'd never had injuries and I just finished I'm like well now what now what I'm just gonna yep. hang on to this thing that I was and I'm glad that I went through all that to be like, actually, like that was that was one part of my life. Mm-hmm. And now there's this whole other thing in my life, which like this gave me experience and perspectives that's going to be better off. So I'm a lot better off as a person because of all the experiences than not experiencing them. Um, so then I started studying my sports science degree at 27 and I ran a business on the side doing strength and conditioning. Um, did that for three years and then graduated literally within a couple of, within a month or two we found out my wife's dad she'd moved out to Australia we found out after I finished studying that he was diagnosed with cancer so pause for a second where do I go (laughs) so how did you meet because we're going to get back to Rachel's dad yeah how did you meet Rachel Um, so we were in a tournament in India Um, it was the Champions League so it wasn't the one I went for Australia it was just the was the Champions League like soccer? Okay. The best team, the best two domestic teams from every country around the world would go to the Champions League, mm-hmm. and so we went to India and we ended up winning the tournament. And then I met Rachel was a cheerleader. She was so because there was no cricket uh, cheerleaders in cricket. They got a heap of um, girls from the US just to go and dance to make it more entertaining. What? Yeah. <laughs> so was she already in India or did she, they cricket paid yeah. these dancers yeah. to come over to India yeah. to dance for this tournament? Yeah. So they're like, hey, everyone, there's a tournament in India. Does anyone want to go? And she was like, yeah, that sounds fun. I'll and go. where was she from? Overland Park. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. So it was random. Random. That is so fucking, well, not random. I don't believe in that it's random. Yeah. But that's, that's me. So you're in India. How the what? Tell me what happens. So I'm running drinks on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm running drinks on the sideline, and it was the final. It was the final game. Mm-hmm. I wasn't playing, and she was cheerleading. Like she was on the other side of the field. So I'm. I walk around the field, not even aware of them. I take a drink to one of the guys, and I turn around, and the girls and I'm like, oh, I might just stay for a bit, and just hang out and looking and anyway she was looking and we're just checking each other out and we don't talk um and we end up winning the game it was huge we go back to the the hotel big after party and everyone involved in the tournament comes to the the hotel mm-hmm. and has a drink and we were wasted and ended up she um all the girls come to the hotel and they weren't allowed to actually hang out with us there's no like fraternizing with the players and because there's some stuff with previous tournaments. Right, right. And they're like, you're not allowed to hang out with the players. And so I'm like, okay, I walk up to him like, hey, going, where's Bert? Like, um, <laughs> I can just imagine yeah. like, what you fucking did. <laughs> and we end up hanging out and we're talking and um, like nothing, nothing happens. Like we just hang out. We just, we spend all night together, like mm-hmm. talking and hanging out in the bar. I'm like, let's keep in contact. And ended up we exchange details. She goes back to America. I go to Australia. We email, um, and she's like, oh, I'm on this, like, gap year. Like, I think it might come to Australia. I'm like, come stay with me. Like, I'm living mm-hmm. in Sydney. So you were, like, 22 or 3? I was 22. 22, and she was, like, 18. 
Yeah, no, 18, 19. 18, 19, 19. Okay. okay. And she comes out to Australia. And there's no like, oh, we're together. It was just like, I'm just coming straight to see Australia. And I'm like, well, you can stay at my, my place. Right. You've got free accommodation and do what you want. And then we just hit it off. And um, that, and that was it. We She spent the whole time with me in Sydney. We, we did a road trip from Sydney to Cape York, which is the northernmost part of Australia. So I had a forward drive. We forward drive to the very most northern part of Australia. Oh, cool. Um, dirt road for over a thousand kilometers. Just camping. Brilliant. Oh my god! Um, so, oh, you just you just swooned her, and yeah. she just fell in love with the and she loved the it. backwoods Australian man, <laughs> fucking <laughs> crocodile, fucking Dundee. Her dad got me on um on a um, what was it then? Um, not Zoom. What's the other one? Skype. Skype. And he's like, I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried. <laughs> What's going on? What about crocodiles? What about spiders? What about the snakes? Like, <laughs> her dad did. Yeah, he's uh, worried. I'm like, it's fine. Don't yeah, she's that. 19. I bet she, he was <laughs> freaking it's out. It's all, it's all good. Um, and we were together ever since. So she oh, wow. goes back to, comes back here, three four months later after she came out, and we did long distance for three years. So every wow. off season from cricket, I'd come here for four or five weeks. Mm-hmm. I'd work out. We'd come to Lawrence. Like she was going here to KU. So we would live, I'd go to um, the old athletic gym. Um, I forgot what it was called. I'd go there. I'd ride the bike there. I'd work out. And she'd come to Australia every uh, school holidays. Mm-hmm. So long distance for three years was hard. Wow. And then she ended up moving to Australia. It was, that was at the same time I'd moved to Perth. Right. And so she, I moved to Perth and then she relocated as well. So as you're, pl- you're finishing up your... F- final years of cricket yeah she comes out to move to live here Near, just before so as i moved to perth i was playing played for western australia for a year and a half two years okay she moved just before that happens okay so then she finally out here everything's going well and then injury again and it was okay yeah. um so it was random like totally random how we met like coincidence and that so if i go back to when i'm like moving to Sydney my whole life like if I never moved to Sydney to play professional cricket I would never play professional cricket I would never have met my wife I would never be in America just like never sit wouldn't be sitting here I would telling the story studied sports science so like so when I go that's where I the the steps I took early on just how everything just started to unravel with my life and doors opening up and opportunities and my mind expanding and meeting smart people and like like it's that's what's like got me uh, to grow and like meet my wife and so I'm so thankful for like um, like what the game of cricket's given me so that's why I'm like I love like I always wanted to work back in cricket oh um, okay so once I finished playing I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach in professional cricket because I'd learned so much like I felt like I had something to give back mm-hmm. with my own injuries and I guess experience that I'd be a good mentor as well as a strength and conditioning coach, but a mentor to young players coming through to be a good bouncing board. And, um, but I never forecast, like we never forecasted moving to the USA to live. It was just that her dad was, um, diagnosed with cancer and he's like, I've, I've known for six months and I needed to make sure I got the times lines right, but I've only got like a two year lifespan and he's already six months in and we're like, well, fuck. We'd owned a ha- we owned a house in Perth. I was running a business. I just graduated and I wanted to then get into elite cricket in Australia. Like, right. And I was going to start looking around. And we're like, well, fuck, let's, we'll move to America. 
no plan. Right. So we just basically, I applied for my green card, uh, sold our house, sold everything we owned, and we um, we moved. Wow. So we literally moved here with um, a couple of suitcases and we sent a pallet with some of like my um, personal belongings from mm-hmm. cricket, like memorabilia stuff. And that was it. Everything else we pretty much sold or gave away and we moved. Um, we've been here now for, well, I've been here two and a half years. Oh, wow. January 4, January 4th, 2018. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we moved and I was like, well, what now? I'll do my master's, keep educating, get mm-hmm. you know, my degree, interned with KU, doing all that stuff. But then in the background, I was with USA Cricket, doing stuff in the background with S&C stuff. Okay. So back up a bit. Did her d- dad finally pass? No, he's still going. What? The fucker. Yeah. That's, he was a, it was all a joke on you, Bert. Yeah. So I still, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You made us move to America and there's nothing wrong with you. So he's, this is now going on four years. Okay. And he's, he's not fine. He's still got it, but it's really slow. It's going okay. really slowly. He's cancer. So he's got prostate, but it's so slowly, um, I guess, metastasizing or so yeah. they're just working on it just to keep it yeah he hasn't even started treatment um he's just taking care of his health um not doing anything fancy just it's so slow going and he's he's fine like he's he doesn't look like someone that's got cancer and it's incredible that's to think crazy. when you're like fuck let's get over there and just be with him yeah. she moved to australia and i'm like no let's go for you like yeah for sure let's you can spend some time with your family but as soon as she, we moved she moved before me because I was waiting for my green card mm-hmm. and it took, so we were apart for five months. Well, oh, right, yeah. In, in Australia, waiting for it. But anyway, as she moves here a couple of months later, her mum gets diagnosed with breast cancer. Jesus. Yeah, so her mum has breast cancer. Um, you know, has the whole chemo, radiation, lymphectomy, all mm-hmm. that. And she, she's fine. She survives. But it's, it was just like that Fucking period. family of fighters is what you got there, man. So it was... Jesus, that period was rough because it was like yeah. everything's going fine, and then her dad were worried about, it. and then her mum gets it. Her mum was worse. She's fine, like she's she's mm-hmm. she's good now. Her dad's battling along, and it was just. <laughs> uh-huh. it was, but it's been, it's good that everyone's healthy, um, and we're in America because we would never have come here. So we, we always said like, oh, we'd like to go to America one day, but we don't know what it looks like, and to make that big move is a huge move. Right, and so we needed a kicker to get us to get mm-hmm. us going, and that was the kicker. And we just jumped. Like I'm someone that just jumps, and I go right. and I think about it as I'm going. And we were going, and we moved, and so we actually had time to think about the whole process of moving to the US and immigration and selling. We would have just gone, oh fuck it, this is way too, Which this you, is way too much. But you had it, yeah, interesting. So you touched on it just a a, a, a little bit um, your brother completed suicide when you were so in a, in the US if you're in the mental health world mm-hmm. we say um, complete as a suicide as opposed to commit suicide mm-hmm. I don't it's a change in right. discussion I don't know I forget the reasonings why so we say complete completed suicide so your brother completes suicide when you're 18 mm-hmm. but you, you 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 touched a little bit of something about your dad so if, Families had mental health struggles um, through through that period. Yeah, like tell me a little bit more about well, that. If you want. So my mum, my dad was married twice. Just to give you some background, my dad was married twice. 
first marriage had four kids. Uh, dad meets my mum, uh, has my sister, me. Uh, my mum and dad end up breaking up. Mum mm-hmm. left when I was like one, I think. Oh, I was okay. Really young. And then it was just dad and my sister and I. Okay. From when I was a little kid. That's all I remember. I don't remember ever having my mum around. Okay. So it's it's funny when I talk about it because I don't have, there's no feelings about it because I don't remember my mum. Because you don't remember, right? So I don't know how to feel about it because it's not there. It's not like, oh, I miss my mum. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't actually remember. I didn't know her. So my dad was my mum and dad, but he was like, you know, like tough. He was a tough guy, just very Australian, showed no emotion, which is probably not the good thing because it's, you're going to be able to talk through stuff. So he's very, um, he did the best he could. Aussie bloke, um, blue collar, worked on the railway. Um, yeah, no mum around. She left, um, had another kid and I never really, we never seen her much after that. Um, but when my brother, so my brother was from my dad's first marriage. Right. <clears throat> so he was the second oldest and you know, he loved to drink, partied, um, you know, Great guy. He's just a larrikin of a guy. And he was the last guy you'd ever think of to do something. Mm-hmm. And we ended up finding out. I was at school. And um, it was early in the morning. We were about to do roll call in the morning just to see, you know, roll call who's here today. And mm-hmm. they're like, Bert, your dad's here. I'm like, fuck dad doing here? Like, mm-hmm. free mobile phone. You got to go to the office. And I go there. My dad's like fucking red-eyed, teary. I'm like, this isn't good. <laughs> this right. is not good. And he's like, fucking Vincent's passed away. He's, I'm like, what? What the fuck's going on? And he said, he said, you know, like he's committed suicide. And so we ended up, it was hard time. Yeah. So, you know, dad, one of his boys has died. Um, it was really weird. Like when I think back on it, because it, there wasn't a whole lot of like talking through, right, let's sit down family. Let's talk mm-hmm. this through. Like what actually happened? None of that happened. So it was nearly as an 18 year old, 18? No, I was 17. I was 17. And because I wasn't allowed to drink yet or go out. Um, and there's no sitting down and talking through, like, what just happened? You know, like, we need to be more around here for each other. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? Let's not let this stuff happen. You know, whatever the discussions need to be, there wasn't discussions. And we had a big family. You know, there was four brothers and uh, two brothers, three two sisters, me and my sister. So it was a big family. Yeah. And... And I think in Australia, it might be the same here, but in Australia, a way of coping is just you drink. Yeah. And a manly way in Australia is just, you know, don't talk about it. Um, just bottle it up, and either in the in an actual bottle or yeah. stuff it down. And whatever my brother was going through, you know, he drank a lot. And, you know, I have no idea what led him to it. It just came out of nowhere. You know, mm-hmm. he was dealing with something that he didn't talk about. Yep. Whatever led him to that, he no one knew about it. And so... I think it hit dad pretty hard and me seeing my dad who was this strong figure role model you know uh, how you view your dad in the world right you're like he's a strong figure and then you, you just see me like fuck me that's not good that's not good seeing my dad in this way mm-hmm. and it rocks you right you know? and as an innocent kid you're like that's something's not right here and he was he drank heaps during that period and he didn't know how to deal with it um you know mum and dad were broken up so he didn't have that female influence to be able mm-hmm. to just talk through it and so that period was pretty rough um he went through a bit um he didn't talk about it much none of us talked about it um which is funny because i ended up marrying a, 
psychologist. That's what I was about to say is like you end up marrying somebody that's in the yep. going to be in or going to be in the mental health field. Yeah. So she was um, the first, you know, I dated a few women, but she was the first one I ever met that looked through who I was as an athlete and more as who I was. Mm-hmm. And she'd be like, how are you? And how are you going? And we actually, because we were remote the whole time, mm-hmm. our relationship, we had to talk. Plus, being an American, and I don't want to take away your feelings that she really wanted to know who you were. She, we don't know the fucking Correct. first thing about cricket, right? So, okay. like, she would have to ask you what's going on with you because she yeah. doesn't know anything about the thing. And that's what I think attracted me to her was that she didn't know anything about cricket. And I, a lot of people that I had around me at that period of time it was just fake. Yep. And, you know, I was like a shy kid growing up and I want like genuine, like genuine people around me. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like, I don't trust anyone. Mm-hmm. And so I think when I met her, I'm like, you don't know anything about cricket, which is good. You, um, you don't care. And you just like want to talk to me. I'm like, no, no this is actually quite nice. This is and different. she jumped on a fucking plane yeah. and spent six months with you or whatever. Right. Yeah. And it was like, it was eye opening for me because I'd never had someone go, you know, like she knew something was up and she'd be like, what's wrong? Like talk. Like, and she'd like expose, like she'd talk through it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why do you want to ask? Why do you want to talk this? Why do you want to do that? And me, like a bullhead. I'm like, well, it doesn't matter how I'm feeling. Like, let me, I'll go for a run. I'll go work out. Right. Let me get that. Because that's how you coped before, which yeah. is a great way of coping. Yeah. Too, as opposed to drinking or using drugs or Was bottling it down. Healthier. Athlete. Yeah. But I still didn't know how to talk through issues. Express emotions. Yeah. And that's something I'm still getting better at it. Um, and she still like laughs at me because I'm still like, if I'm, you know, if I'm, something's bothering me, I'll just be like, oh, go in the gym. I'll go and run and, and then, and if I ever hurt myself, it's because I've got something wrong. I bottle it up and I go and do something physical. And, and you're I, not being mindful about it, right? Yeah. And I always hurt myself. That's been my story. So if I bottle it up. I go do, do something physical. I play sport. Either, every time I hurt myself, it was because I was struggling with something at that point in time. Right. And I was just trying to just get it all out of my system. And I'm like, okay, this isn't actually a good way of expressing how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. I've actually got to learn to start talking to people. Right. And so my wife was that first person to actually like, and I'd sit and talk to her and we'd talk for hours on um, Skype. And Aww. and it was, it was awesome because I never wanted to go through what I think my brother went through, uh, my dad. You know, I don't, I don't want to go through divorces. And so I'm like, actually, I need to grow up a bit. Not grow up. I think I got actually... Um, mature. Mature and expand what I like my sense of reality was very limited you know well yeah I mean your sense of reality is I mean is professional sports right and when you have to be that hyper focused that's all you can focus on until you get injured right and then you then what happens is the world opens up right yeah and when I was so young at 22 and the world starts coming crashing down around you Mm -hmm. you're like uh, I don't know who to talk to yep there's all these people that want to be my friend because of this thing Mm -hmm. but they're not real and it wasn't, so my wife was that first one that was just like, let's talk. And it was mm-hmm. just conversation. And it was like, this is actually really nice. Like I've never had this in my whole life. Um, not having awesome. a mother figure or a female nurturing um, presence in my life. Mm-hmm. And so when she came along, it was like, this feels kind of weird, but I like it. And I need it in a, in a strange mm-hmm. um, way. And like, she's the total opposite to me, which is quite funny. It's funny what 
the attraction, you know, what. And when you say opposite, what do you mean? Like I'm super physical, mm-hmm. like really physical. I train every day, um, really hyper in like, I'm like a, I, I do something and then I think about it. I'm, I'm like very reactive, mm-hmm. reactive. I, I'm just always doing and I'll think about it. Mm-hmm. And she's very mellow. She'll think about it. She'll plan. And she doesn't work out ever. And and it's really funny. Interesting. Yeah. And Interesting. I'm always like, she'll come in the gym and she'll hang out. She'll do a couple of squats. She might do some push-ups. And then she's good. And I'm like, don't give a shit. You know, like she still looks fit. And I'm like, it doesn't really bother me. And it's funny because I'm a strength and conditioning coach. But I'm not like, hey, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you working out today? You know, like, I'm like, because it doesn't matter to you no no and it's what she brings and what I bring we balance each other out mm-hmm. so I'm challenging her to be more physical and mm-hmm. healthy in, the, in that way but she's challenging me to be more like thoughtful and become like more internal with you know how's my emotions so she's very aware of that stuff where I'm not and I'm very aware of physical mm-hmm. and she's not. So we bet this is funny how we meet in this middle ground and we just, it just, it's this perfect little match. That's real similar to Jill and I in the sense that I've always been doing something physical since I was 18 ish mm. and met her. And I was, I mean, I was running. Yeah. I mean, that was just trying to not be complete fat ass. Yeah. Um, and then I decided I need to get my shit together again. Right. And started working out. And then I was like, you should probably start working. Like, I didn't say it like that, but yeah. she's like seeing this. And so she starts working out and now she's like, I'm fucking monster yeah, at 43 years old. Yeah. I mean, a monster. Yeah. That's awesome. And so it's like, we balance each other out. Like mm. she, you know, she's taught me a lot about just being a, just a good human being, you yeah. know, not that I wasn't before, but just, I'm just better. Like it's funny when you think about like the person you end up with, they may not seem like the, you know, you might want, I want them to be physical, I want to mm. work out every day. But I think that the, if I had someone who was just like me, I'm not sure how that would no. work. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure how it would work. Um, but for her, it's just like, I'd get to do my own thing. I can, but we still come together and we like have this awesome life, but I'm able to do my own thing. She does her thing. So um, for the one listener out there that can't see Bert, Bert is a very, very handsome man. So, of <laughs> course, the ladies love him. Of course, Rachel is very attracted to him. He's a good-looking dude. She stole my heart. Yeah, she did. <laughs> um, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, anyways, so balance each other out. You come back here. She decides to go to get her master's. You decide to get your master's. Yeah. yeah and so- then a couple months ago, something else happened. Was that six months ago? Yeah, the baby. The baby. Yeah, you had so, a baby. Yeah, so young August is seven months, seven and a half months. He's crawling around everywhere. He's walking behind the, this cart. He's already up walking. I saw that fucking video. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah. Of course so your kid is. So I'm like, he's got the athlete gene. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> your fucking wife's I've like, I've got oh, no shit. idea. What, yeah. He's just this, he's um, motivated. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's, he was super motivated to get moving. And I'm like, because I'm, prided myself on being physical my whole life uh-huh. i'm looking at him and i'm like fuck yeah, yeah that's my boy yeah if i can get up let's get running yeah um, but it's been the whole thing's been amazing like having a kid was 
oh, man, it's awesome. Like, yeah. it takes it takes it off yourself. You know, I'm not worrying about myself every day, and we now have this little human that's dependent upon us. And like, he, it's in a good stage at the moment because he he's playing, he's laughing all the time. You're such a cute dad. Like, oh my god, awesome. it's so funny because I I remember I met you like right before he was born. Yeah, just she, before pandemic, wasn't it? Well, and he wasn't born yet. No. So, because then you were gone for a little bit. Like, when, no, because then, <laughs> that's right. The kid was born and you came in and trained the next day, jiu-jitsu or whatever. I can't remember. It was something crazy. I was like, your kid was born yesterday. And you're like, yeah, I came in to do jiu-jitsu. Because yeah, she, she, she was at the hospital. Oh, no, no. We were in hospital for five days. It was the next, when we finally got home. Oh, okay. You came into jujitsu. Yeah. yeah. Cause she had complications. She had preeclampsia. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So we got, finally got home and then I came in. Came I reckon the next you might've got me. I reckon you might've got me. I probably did. I probably I, the one time I did. Yeah, I you choked you. No, I did choke you. Yeah. I fucking choked yeah, you, you in a, in a guillotine. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. I remember that. Fuck. Yes. I have choked you out. Yeah. Son of a bitch. It's true. Been it's been a while. Eight months. It's been eight months, though. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so that leads us down this road of, I know that you practice. I think I remember you saying you started jiu-jitsu when you were in Australia. Is that right? Yeah, in um, Perth. Okay. So I came, always listened to Joe, to, um, Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss and then Jocko. Mm-hmm. I think most people, you know, I was listening to, Tim Ferriss, he was on there. Joe Rogan gets Jocko on. I'm like, and he's talking, uh, you know, about his daily practice and jujitsu. And I'm like, I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. And I've done a lot of um, boxing and, um, you know, that kind of thing with playing cricket. Did some boxing training and mm-hmm. it was fun. It was f- more for fitness rather than learning the art of the skill. And listening to him talk about you know, jujitsu and I'd actually had some experience in Australia where I had people break in my house okay, and had to fight them in the police game. And so I'm super like vigilant and aware of sounds and in my house, I'm always locking doors. And, um, so I'm, I'm like, I don't actually know if I know how to defend myself properly. Like I'd, I was able to defend him cause I was strong, mm-hmm. but I'm like, if there's ever a situation, like, can I, you know, do I know what to do? Like, I don't want someone to ruin my day. You know, like there's that saying of um, Joe Rogan, you know, he's like, I don't want someone to, I want to be able to pick and choose who wants to rule my day. And I'm like, That's, I don't know if I actually would know if I got in a situation with someone and what to do. Right. Not to be beat someone up, but I don't want, because from the experiences I'd had with that and also some guy on road rage incident, like in Australia, um, cut me off and had a machete and Jesus. Yeah. And I was Cause you like, don't have any guns in Australia. No, a fucking machete. And <clears throat> he was off his head. He was a druggo. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was contracted at the time playing professional cricket and I wanted to, I wanted to fucking do something. And I'm like, I can't, mm-hmm. I'd lose my contract. And I was, and I was like, that was a pretty weird moment that, cause I'm not sure if actually what was going on for one. And I shouldn't be even in that situation, but it was, I don't want to have to, be in a situation where something bad happens. I want to be able to defuse it and control the outcome. So I ended up, um, my coach at the time in Australia was a black belt in some martial art. And he said, go, go to this guy. 
said, go to this guy. And he was the guy who was the, he's a black belt, black belting um, Krav Maga and all mm-hmm. these kind of disciplines. And he was the bodyguard for like Aaron Brockovich when she came to Australia, Bill Clinton and all oh, these wow. big time famous people. Like he was the bodyguard for him. So I went to him and I just remember the f- first time I went in and we did um, jujitsu and he's just like laying and he's like, come and get me. Just do it. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I mm-hmm. lay on him and he's just fucking just wraps me up. I'm like, fuck is that like, what, what were you doing <laughs> what were you doing and, and it, we just went on for this class and I was getting choked out and he was arm barring me and he was ankle locking me I'm like this is fucking incredible whatever mm-hmm. you're doing and being a professional cricketer like the chess game in your brain trying to right. unravel someone your component your opposition sorry and I just fell in love with it and so I did Muay Thai there as well and ended up moving to another gym because it was closer to home and I did it for probably five months and then we moved. We moved. Mm-hmm. So for five months, waiting for my green card, I didn't do it. And then moved here and took me a couple of months to finally just to reach out and just jump back through the door of a gym and do it. And we've been going ever since. So that what I think it was last December. Yep. I've, I've been doing it, but it was just like I've, I've fallen in love with it. Like I don't know how you, you are with it, but it's amazing. So here's a question I want to ask. So you're a sports guy, strength and conditioning, like to work out, like to lift weights, right? And you had this sport cricket that you were obsessed about, right? And so then when you didn't have cricket, were you, did you, were you obsessed about lifting and running and and staying that Were you still like had that obsession, obsessive mind about things like that? Always never stopped training, never stopped training. And I think once cricket finished, I got into athletics. Mm -hmm. So it was always, my whole life was like, I was training for something, right? It was cricket. Once cricket finished, I'm like, I need a purpose. So Mm -hmm. I did a bit of um, athletics. I always wanted to try athletics. I did sprinting, competed in a couple of sprint meets which was fun. And then I got into um, jujitsu and then the whole thing of moving over here and, and doing it here. Um, like I'm not like full, like blown, com- like just drowned in it every day. So here's my problem. Mm. Sober 20 years, yeah. right? I'm, I'm a, I'm a obsessive person, right? Yeah. Com- um, impulsive not not as impulsive as I used to be, I'm less impulsive. I'm actually the opposite. And sometimes Jill, like, I, I don't know, what was I looking at? I was looking at, oh, I was looking at those 5'11 tactical um, weighted vests, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And she, I've been looking at them for months, and she finally walks by me just staring at the computer, and she's like, just fucking buy them already. Because <laughs> I used to be just super impulsive with shit, right? Yeah. And so then I became really obsessed. I started out with, um, I always ran and lifted like, yeah. like a uh, bodybuilding style, uh, yeah. workouts, you know, like yeah. three by tens, three by eights, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I found CrossFit yeah. I worked out CrossFit and I hurt my back and then hurt my back and then worked out at a gym and then built my own gym at home. And then I found powerlifting, which is an interesting thing is I found powerlifting kind of later in my lifting mm life yeah excuse me and um became super obsessed like i'm obsessed with lifting weights like pushing the numbers nutrition nutrition 
you know, around it. You know, lifting what you know, still get fucking injured all the time. Like not all the time, but I'm always fighting something, right? Yeah. Then, so back up, 1993, second UFC. Um, I was over at a friend's house, and Hoist Gracie yeah, yeah. wins, right? And I'm like, what the fuck, jujitsu? What the fuck is Brazilian jujitsu? Yeah. So I fell in love with Brazilian jujitsu then. But you know, that was 93 in the United States. Nobody had gyms. Yeah. My life went a different direction. So then fast forward to, to Jack's, my youngest is in jujitsu yeah. and I found, um, rivers and, and I was like, ah, they kept, he kept on hassling me. When are you going to start? When are you going to start? I'm like, Oh, later when, and then finally, you know, a bunch of other shit happened. And I, I've listened to Jocko for a while and I've listened to yeah. Joe Rogan. For, I've been a Joe Rogan fan shit since he was on news radio. Mm. And so I knew about, I knew, I knew I should do it. I knew I should. I just was making excuses. And finally I just said, fuck it. Decided to do it. And, but I really kept it at arm's, arm's length. Mm. Right. I was really like, I love lifting weights. I'm going to push heavy weight and want to do that. That's my thing. (laughs) That's my thing. I'm keeping a jujitsu just keeps my ego in check. Yeah. I would say. Right when we started training after the pandemic, I started just, and I didn't watch any videos. Like yeah. everybody's like, watch this video, watch this video. I was like, nope, I'm just going to come in and train. Yeah. I'm going to train. The pandemic hit. I couldn't do the Zoom things because I thought I was just was hurt my feelings. Yeah. Um, and then I cut, we come back and I've, I've, now I'm obsessed. Like I am. You're going lots now. Yeah. I'm obsessed. Like I'm like, what's that? How many days a week are you going? Uh, try to get four days in. Cool. I was trying at three. This is my first week since post-pandemic. I've only gone once. So yep. I'm normally three. Stuff with USA Cricket and mm-hmm. um, play reviews going on. And so I couldn't get the, the 10 a.m. ones in. Um, but I'm like three a week. I'm like three a week, I'm good. And I'm able to manage the... I'm always trying to manage the soreness. Like, because I run, I lift, and then jujitsu. So pre-pandemic, I was always like... I was struggling with um, like soreness and hips and knees and my lower back was always jacked. So I was struggling just managing. I was, I was learning. I don't know how you are with it, but I'm learning how to just to get everything in that I enjoy. Like I love running. I want to keep running. I want to lift. I want to keep lifting, but I also want to keep doing jujitsu and not let one of them take out one of the other ones that I enjoy. So I'm trying to learn the balance of not go to jujitsu and like fucking chill out a bit. You know, like you go in there and you're just like, oh, we're just flowing. And you fucking just go, and you go crazy. And next thing you know, you're like, Fuck. Well, and I think, you know. My thumb's cooked. <laughs> a- Andrew, not Andrew. Well, Andrew, but Matt and I talk a lot, right, about, because you and I get, get after it sometimes yeah. between you and I, right? Mm-hmm. Mainly you kick the shit out of me is what usually happens. But what, but I think the reason you can't dial it down, right? Well, you're still pretty young, yeah. right? What, mid, early 30s? 33. 33, early 30s. You were a professional athlete, mm-hmm. right? So there is no there is no five for you out of a 10, right? There's no. there's usually just 10, yeah. right? So for you, I bet it's really fucking hard to dial it down. For me, it's yeah. really hard to dial it down because I'm just... 
Well, one, I'm obsessed, right? I'm an obsessive person, so I do it. And I'm competitive. I probably should have been in the military or yeah. found some professional sport because I'm just intense, right? Um, but I'm old. So I don't want... So when we go, you notice like even in, in a, like if I'm in a weird position, I'm like tap yeah. <laughs> because I need it so fucking bad Yeah, because it's my church. I mean, the, the gym's my church, right? Whatever gym I'm in. Right. Well, that's for me. Like I don't meditate. So my mindfulness meditation is like my exercise. Yep. So my wife's like, you need to actually like do some, I'm like, but running's meditation for me, working out's mm -hmm. meditation. Like it's a detachment from the, the world. And so is jujitsu. Like it's, yep. it's humbling. It's like, um, it keeps my ego in check. But I'm also like, being a playing professional sport. It's like this chess game, and it, it's constant. There's this battle, and jujitsu is just like this chess chess game. That's, it's. I think it's just incredible. Like, see, for somebody that's smart and. Um, been in a professional sport and and play, plays a professional has played a professional sport that's that's not that's more complicated to understand, mm. right? You probably don't understand that when I say that, right? But for for us that don't understand cricket, like it seems real complicated, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I can understand that chess piece mm. for, thing for you. For me, it's like Hulk smash. Mm. Right. Like I just think like it's yeah. it's intellectual. Like I get the intellectual and I like mm. the learning of it. But for me, it's that like once I am trying to fucking just go get after it. Right. Which is different. Yeah. Like I'm trying. It's balancing of knowing, OK, you can actually like go hard here, but then also I've actually got to get better at learning positions and mm -hmm. the flowing of. Um, if someone's on top of me, what do I do here? And trapping an arm and, um, taking away their, their, um, um, posts. And so I'm still trying to like figure it out, but it's been good because I'm actually subconsciously some, I'm able to do things now and I don't have to think with, um, scissor sweeps and, mm -hmm. um, some things I'm getting better at, but I'm still not nowhere near. So what's interesting is, and what I love about jujitsu and what I love about rolling with you and about becoming friends with you is that you constantly scissor sweeped me for, I don't know, three weeks, I think mm. when we first got back from the pandemic and now you'll probably hardly ever get mm. it again because mm. I was like, I'm not fucking having Bert scissor sweep <laughs> me one more fucking time. Yeah. Right. Because you're a beast on top of me. So now once you get, you know, scissor sweep, uh, scissor sweep me, you get on top of me some other way. Right. Yeah. Now it's like, how do I get out of Bert's? How do I get to side control? Yeah. How do I, you know, how do I back to, you know, whatever? It's fun. Like when we, when we wrestle, it, it's a lot more even. Like it's even because we both have an even chance of something going our way or mm -hmm. the flow of it. And, you know, wrestle with Andrew and you see like his couple levels above and he's pretty much dominates it and you can get him in a good position. You can be in a dominant position, but then he can survive it and get out right. of it. But then when I go with Matt, it's oh, like, God. Jesus Christ. Like I am never in a dominant position. I had, maybe I've swept him once, but then he kept with the flow of it and got back on top of me. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, like this is awesome. Like, that's what I love about it. Is like I can wrestle with a white belt and then I can, you know, you dominate them. Mm -hmm. But then you go to the, Matt and the black belts and Trevor and you're just like 
this is insane. So that's what I love about it. It was yesterday. Is yeah, it was yesterday. I fucking scared him. And when I say scared, scared Matt, I mean his eyes went like that because I we've been working on that foot or that ankle lock yeah, or whatever yeah. that is, and I, I got it. Dove for <laughs> it, and he went like he was surprised that I was just went off the the rails on it. Of course, he fucking He's got out of it and then fucking smashed me. The thing, the thing about Matt and even Trevor, Trevor's a little more explosive than Matt. Mm. But what what I don't understand is Matt will. Matt will just move like a snake. Yeah. Like I don't like, I'll be like, I'm a big fucking dude and I'll be trying to smash him and I'll be on top of him. The next thing I know, he's just like, and he's in fucking like, he's got me in his psych or troll or whatever the fuck I'm talking. You know, it's, it's one of the strangest things. It took me a while to learn like underhooks and mm-hmm. and he'd always go underhook and he, you just seem slowly like mm-hmm. elevating his arm and then you're like, why am I moving? Exactly. And, like, and you're like, I'm try- I'm watching him trying to figure out what, what he's doing because he's just so much more advanced. So mm-hmm. I'm like thinking about what he's doing rather than I'm trying to do stuff. Yeah. I'm just like, this is so cool. Like I'm, yeah. I'm caught in your game and he, you just, even though you're fighting it, he's just doing stuff and trapping stuff. And like, that's what I think. Obviously it's, it takes years of, flowing and mm-hmm. you know getting it down which is the cool thing about it it's like this never-ending like like learning piece and so when i finished playing cricket like i need an outlet and this is just like yeah it's that like where like my brain is just like that's it's bad it's that place i used to be when i played sport it's this constant like battle it's competition it's i'm learning you're evaluating mm-hmm. all those things are just being ticked off so for me, like you have, like I have a constant um, competition or battle with the weights, right? Like mm. I see them as an opponent, right? Is jujitsu your own, like, I know that you lift to stay in shape and all that stuff, but do you see weights that way or running that way? Or do you only see jujitsu as no, your thing? In- running, I, the moment I'm pushing for like, 5k 10k mm-hmm. um do a lot of intervals hard intervals like 400s 800s 1k mm-hmm. repeats 200 meter sprints um you know sometimes i might just do a steady run just chill out music mm-hmm. in or podcast and just but it's all tailored to from like it's specific pacings from mm-hmm. my fitness mm-hmm. so i'm always training to improve my 400 time or 5k time or fitness test like i'm always training for a purpose it's mm-hmm. just not i'm running out of just because i'm going for a run it's it's everything's with a purpose so my running's at a certain threshold i run at um my long distance run my, is at a threshold that i've got to run at so i'm constantly trying to still develop my myself physically okay. in the gym i'm the same i don't lift as much heavy weight because when i did it hurt my running like the, oh yeah it totally the, does it's a different yeah the fatigue and the my nervous system mm-hmm. just it was smoked. Mm-hmm. So I, I do more explosive. I'll do a lot of band work, a lot of explosive work. And then I might just do like, I might do bands, um, like accommodated resistance. And then I might mm-hmm. just finish off with two sets with four reps at 85%. So I'm still getting in like some, not as much volume, mm-hmm. but I'm still getting in some like heavy, like weight with just less volume. So then I can able, I'm able to still run and get through the running I want to do. I get through the lifting I want to do. And then I'm able to like get through jujitsu. So like I try and like balance it out. And at the moment my body feels good. 
Like I'm not as strong as I used to be, but I'm as powerful. Yeah, you're fucking. You're a beast. Like as far as far as power, right? Mm. It's and Matt always gives me shit. Like he weighs less than you, Josh. I'm like, it's not. And Matt doesn't understand because he's a black belt. So like mm. him, he doesn't have to. He can feel you, but he's going to yeah. get out of it and strangle you, right? Yeah. For for others that that don't understand is that Bert's probably 10, 205. I'm now like up to two oh like eight. Two oh eight. So he's you're about 13, 15 pounds heavier than me. Okay. Mm. But you're also six two? Yeah. Six two. And dense. So like I know that people can't see you, but you're dense and so like and powerful. So when you're on top mm. For someone like me, it's really hard to to deal with your muscle mass and your explosiveness and yeah. the density of it. Like people don't understand the difference between somebody when I say somebody that's two oh eight and not athletic versus yeah. two oh eight and dense is completely different. Mm. And they don't understand that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I don't train for that. I just train because I'm like, it's an outcome. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm training to get more powerful, stronger, like those things. And then the byproduct is you just end up with like, like a good, like a good physique. But you've been doing it for so long that you've built that muscle. Like I have that muscle too, yeah. but I don't understand it. Yeah. So I've always found like, I love the feeling of um, being explosive and powerful mm-hmm. and being a fast bowler in Australia. Like, I trained always for explosive, mm-hmm. um, to be explosive, be powerful, and um, to generate power, like power as quick as I could. So always done like jumping work, um, throwing work, um, jumping with barbells, and um, and loved that type of training. Like I was always the most powerful in the gym. I was always mm-hmm. the strongest. So in Australia, I held the record for the strength record, the power record, chin up record, um, speed record. So naturally, I was always like gifted. Mm-hmm. Whether I was gifted or it was just a fucking just trained, trained. Um, so I think it was like a trained, and then genetically, I was you, good. You, you, you just got good genetics. You, got, you win a lotto kind of thing. Yeah, but you, you also got to you got to feed that. If you're not feeding it, you don't even know what you're capable of. So I was able to train accordingly to then get the expression to what I like my physically what I was able to produce. It's interesting because this is what I, and this isn't, this is not a slight to anybody. And this is, I don't mean it to sound that way. And I don't know why I'm apologizing for it, but I'm not explosive or a sprinter, Mm. but I can do the marathon, right? I might not be the fastest marathon person out there. I've ran a marathon. I thought I was going to do it in three and a half hours, but the wind had a headwind. So I did it in four. So, but I can do that. So like Mm. I can lift. I can lift for two hours. Yeah. You can grind. I can grind, <laughs> but I'm not doing it. I'm, I've never been that explosive person. Like I've tried, right? But I can't do it. But like I'll get in the gym and, and do seven rounds. Yeah. So I've found if I stopped running, like I'm, like I'm, I'm fast mm-hmm. and explosive and um, anything long distance, I'll run for maybe 40 minutes and I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I literally can't keep going. I can't mm-hmm. maintain a pace. Right. Um, and I can be in the gym and I can throw weight around. And <clears throat> so even when I was at KU, the guys there are 
Olympic weightlifters, and they're strong, strong. And we were doing um, on this machine that generated how much uh, force you could output, and they did it, and I did it. Like they were stronger than me on the bench, and I got on there and I out outdid them by like hundreds of watts. Mm -hmm. And they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "It's like how I've trained. Like I train for power. Right. I don't train for 80, 90 percent weight." you know, grinding that off my chest. Like I want to be able to move 40, 50% of a given weight as hard as I possibly could. And so I'm able to do that, like that reactive strength I've trained a lot more for. So I'm able to like, so if someone's on top of me, I can just like switch on. Right. And I'm able to move them really quickly. So I can generate that really quickly. And um, which is, I think whether I trained for it or not, but the moment I got a cricket ball in my hand, I was able to like, you I can bowl quicker than everyone. I can sprint faster than everyone. That's why. That's why. Like, when you get to blue belt, and even on into purple belt, you're going to be like a beast because you understand that mm. level, right? Yeah. It's going to be insane. Yeah, it's. I cannot fucking wait for that. Like, I'm excited that you're here now, and like you get to demolish me. <laughs> but when you get to that level, you're gonna. Yeah, I'm, it's it's a funny journey, like jujitsu, right? Because it's like a very humbling thing. But I'm, I still don't know a whole lot, no. which is so which I, I love about it. Because I'm, we might be wrestling, and then I get trapped, and I'm like, that's so good. like, like I didn't know what happened. Mm -hmm. like, I didn't know what just happened. But there's a beauty in in that, which is like, I don't know, like it feeds my brain to be like. That's just awesome. I can't wait to fuck with you enough that you can't submit me. Like the other day, you couldn't figure it out how to get me, and I got off it, and I was like, "You didn't, you didn't submit me." Yeah. I, like I, I can't wait to continue on my journey of of making you have to think harder, right? Yeah. Like, why can't I get? Like right now, like I have a couple of pages filled, but I'm like, I need to keep writing these pages out because mm -hmm. that's the thing I keep saying with like Matt. You just you wrestle with him and. You see where they like when we start on the ground. You see their feet going in position. I'm like, I know you're doing something, but I don't know where you're going. Mm -hmm. Like he's already got a plan. I'm like, I don't know where you're going. But when you wrestle with a white belt, I I do that, and they don't know what I'm doing because I know they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So I can do this stuff, and then I'm oh, I scissor sweep them, and they're like, they didn't know I was doing it, but I'm at that l mm -hmm. level slightly above them where I can do some stuff mm -hmm. with Matt. Oh, he's just not even. He's seen it how many times? Yeah, he's seen that sequence. Which is like awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but it's kind of, that's the thing with it. It's years and years and years of like patterning and programming. And that's what I think if I never did it, I don't know what would be fueling that, that part of my brain for like creativity and um, that learning part. Mm -hmm. um, like, I don't know how you felt when you first walked into the gym, but it's quite scary because it's a, it's a contact sport. And for people who are, struggle with that, like I never did boxing or self-defense growing up. See, I wrestled a little bit. So I, I, when I was young, young, I mean, yeah. but I understood. Yeah. So you'd been in that. Mm -hmm. I'd never, I'd been in a couple of schoolyard fights, but they weren't, they weren't anything. Um, but you know, so contact, you walk into the gym and you're consciously like, I'm going to learn this mm -hmm. thing. And I don't know anyone in this building and it's going to be hands on. Like the moment you get into jujitsu, you're like, all right, get into guard. And you're like, I'm on top of this person. I don't even know him. Like it's intimidating. Yeah. And it's like, all right, now we're rolling and you've never rolled before. Like that's very intimidating. And 
So that's, I remember that's when I was listening to Jocko talk and I was like, I've actually got to do it. Like, fuck it. I'm going to go and just give it a month. And it was intimidating. Like, I might have been bigger and more athletic, but it, I was getting, like, dominated by oh, people. Oh, yeah. And I'm, but I, I stuck with it to the point where I'm like, this is actually, like, a part of my thing now. Mm-hmm. And I've, I'm, I now enjoy the process of, of learning it. And um, I'm trying to learn to not get injured. Like, yeah. So my elbows pre-pandemic were fucking smoked. Mm-hmm. Like I was struggling with my elbows because I wouldn't like tap you. I tried try to fight out of an armbar or something, mm-hmm. and getting cranked, and they were just angry. So now I'm in my throat. Like I couldn't swallow pre-pandemic, and so I've because I choked you. I don't know. Now if someone gets on there, I'm just like, yeah, you got me. Like I want to actually be able to like survive. Like there'll be moments where I might try and fight it, and then it's fine. But the, I'm tr- trying to pick and choose the battles. Because if I get choked out five times with Matt, that's <laughs> four arm bars and a neck crank. Right. There, what I'm learning is that balance, right? Learning to, to what I what can I learn to try to fight through and tolerate, yeah. and tolerate, and then what do I just need to tap, right? Yeah. So when there's a joint issue, I always tap. Yeah. Like I, there was something. Oh, who was it? So Inman, somebody was on me the other day. And they were working something on my arm and I tried to fight a little bit. Yeah. And then I woke up the next day and like, oh, it's angry. So it was, yeah, I was angry. What I, what I, so I tap a lot. That's not a big, I don't, I don't, and, and I'm learning to what to fight through. And mm. like Andrew always gets me in a triangle. Like he's so yeah. good at these triangles. And so now I'm learning not to just tap right away on his triangle, try to figure out how to, cause he's, I know that he's not going to hurt me. Yeah. You know, like if trust him enough. As a young guy, because I, you know, there's young guys like you and younger, you don't necessarily understand how explosive you are. Get sloppy and yeah, and how like an old guy like me just is done. Like if I'm injured, I'm done, right? Well, I know your shoulders now. Like I remember early on, I just get it and be like, oh, I want to tap you. Mm-hmm. So you just go for it and you slap the arm down, yeah, crank it. Now I'm like, okay, I've got your arm. I don't want to hurt. Like you're not in the business of hurting people. Yeah, so you're like, okay. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Where is it? Where's his spot? Yeah. yeah. So I'm now like, I'm conscious of, cause you, I don't want that to happen to me either. You know, like I don't, I want to be in this for the long haul, not just going there and some young kid comes in and just starts cranking on elbows and shoulders mm-hmm. and necks and you're like, I'm fucking cooked for a week. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I, but what I've learned and I've been talking about this a little bit for over the last week or two is I didn't give everything mm. or not everything. I didn't even give 40%. Because I was always afraid that I was the guy that was going to hurt somebody else. Mm. And I didn't want to be that douche, right? Yeah. I didn't want to be that guy. So now I'm slowly like, I'm going to put a little more pressure. I'm going to do this. I'm going to explode a little bit more. Yeah. And they've got to cope. Yeah. Right. They've been crushing me this whole entire time. Now I'm going to start using my, some of my more explosive power, my weight logistics, it's funny, like the the different levels of people. So, the fellow white belts, I can get in a dominant position and try and work through it and stay mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. And stay on top, and go through different positions, mm-hmm. mount to side mount, and I'll I'll play around with that and I can feel it. The better people, I'm like, okay, I can't do that. So I actually learn to like defend. Mm-hmm. So it's like two different scenarios. Like yeah, exactly. The high belts, I'm like defending a lot mm-hmm. and working through. Oh, he's going to you now. I can defend, and with other guys, I'm like, I'm learning how to not dominate, but stay in positions and control the, 
the fight and not wear myself out. Mm-hmm. So like when, like when you did seven rounds, I'm like, that's like four minute, seven minute rounds. That's four, the five minutes, right? Five minutes. Yeah, with seven five minute rounds, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can't go balls to the wall for two rounds because the next five rounds you just smoked. But right. see, that's that's where I'm stupid, right? Like, and I don't mean that. It? Like, like no, mean- I go in and do it. Yeah. And then um, I'm laying on the floor. And Matt's like, "All right, who's Josh? Who you going with this? All right, I'll do it. I mean, yeah. I might not be any good, yeah, but know. I'm I'm giving it a hundred percent. Yeah. In there, whatever that looks like. And then we get off the mat yesterday, and Matt's like, "Oh." Josh, aren't you going to do one more round he's been with Andrew every day? <laughs> I'm like, no. And he's like, what are you old or something? Or some, talk some shit. And I'm like, all right, up on the mat. I just don't like, I don't have that. Yeah. I don't have that quit in me. It's funny watching. Cause it's like, he's playing a game with you. Cause we're all done. And he's like, you still got one more, right? You going again? Yes, then, I am. Every Andrew's time. Like, I'm going again. It's like, Josh. Yep. <laughs> every time. Because I don't want to be the guy that the old guy. I mean, I'm the old right now. I'm the oldest, unless it's Joe or somebody else. Like I'm the oldest guy out there. I don't want to be. How old are you? Forty six. I'll be forty seven. And so, how old are you when you started? Uh, forty six or forty seven. Like I haven't been in a year yet. So. So isn't that like this? Is what I love about. Um, I think we've spoken about it a little bit in the gym. It's a very comfortable society. Right? Everyone's very comfortable and. Uh, it's not like you're a kid and you're like, I'm going to go get my kids into sport and you take them to gymnastics or athletics or it's the parents making that conscious decision to get their kid in, but it's like how many adults are doing the same for them themselves. Right. So that's what I mean about like that initiation of going into the gym. Like you at 46 is like comfortable middle age, you know, you just could be like, I'm good. Yeah. Like there's, there's, there is no, no to, right reason. Yeah. Right. Like for, for me to go into start jujitsu at 46, right? Like there's no, I'm strong guy. I don't, you know, I'm, I got guns. I don't need, yeah. But you know, but I'm like the, the thing about it, Bert, for me is that I've got an ego, right. Or used to like Mm. when you're, when you're in recovery, like when you're a drug addict, right. You're, it's, it's all fake ego, right? Like, so you're feeding that fake ego, right? Because you're, there's a void inside. And so sobered up, there's still that, there's still that void, right. That still exists. And so you still fill it with fakeness, right. Or, or whatever tattoos or whatever the thing is. And until you realize you're just a person with an ego that's in the way. Right. And so I started doing a lot of ego work Mm. a few years ago, just kind of thinking about life differently and had some trouble with some different jobs and people being dicks. And then. I was like, you know what? You know what's going to really help this mm. is just jujitsu. Mm. Well, I've read Ego is the Enemy. I don't mm. know if you've read that. I haven't read it. I've heard it. Heard about it. I read it and I was like, I wish I read this earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, like professional sports, like ego. Everyone's. But that's what drives it though. Ego, yeah. Like everyone, who's the who's the best in the room? Who's the best batter? Mm-hmm. Who's the best bowler? Who's the, the king of the crop kind of thing? And it's all a lot of superficial stuff. It's just like who's creating the persona or the image of... And it's all superficial. But like, isn't that what drives competition, what drives championships? Yeah. Yeah, as long as it works together. As long as right. it can come together and everyone's... It's healthy. Like, mm-hmm. it's healthy. But if it becomes to a point where it's now just like, you're being a dickhead. 
like mm-hmm. pull your head in. Like right. this isn't about you anymore. And I think that's, I think that's one thing I've noticed the difference between Australian sport and American or USA is in Australia, we, it's about team. No one promotes the individual. We're in America. It's everyone's happy to promote the individual. And it's like, you have your stage and everyone celebrates. And, um, the athletes treated differently, like how he's within the team. Yep. And, it's very superficial and like, I don't know how it's just different in Australia. Like we don't, we have this thing in Australia called like the tall poppy syndrome. If you're a tall poppy, we'll bring you back down. Right. And if you get to, um, you think you're too good in Australia, our like culture is like, we'll just sledge you or we'll banter and we'll just bring you back down to earth where it's just like, it's friendly joking. And, but we won't let you get too far ahead. But it's all friendly. I'd argue that there's some of that here, mm. but our country was built on this this um, uh, this rugged individualism, right? Yeah. So that's stayed the same through whatever. And so in sports, Great. you're always going to have that superstar that has the gigantic ego and the teams built around them. And I'd say baseball's a little less, right? Just yeah, because right. there's so many players and so many good players, and that they move a little bit more. But like even football, like football's like. You have the wide receiver and the quarterback, and nobody really gives a. There's some defensive people that that they care about, but mainly the majority of it's three or four players on a team that that have yeah. the name, right? It's funny with our with our athletes, we'll talk to them about. Um, it just might be around a game and a situation, and then we will talk through like, here's a player celebration in cricket. Like you get a wicket, you might be like, yeah, cool, whatever, I did my job, right? Um, but then some will run to the sideline to the crowd run away from their teammates, celebrate, do cartwheels. And we're like, is this acceptable? And it's funny, the American athletes, they're like, yes. And me from Australia and our coach who's from Australia and um, we're like, no. Like, is this now about the individual or is this about the team? At what point is team a a common goal for the team and rather than an individual like self-promotion? So it's like, I've done my job, but... It's like, yeah, get, get in front of the cameras, get in front of the crowd. It's all good. But at what point is then like there's this line? Um, and it's funny. It's like, it's not right or wrong, but our culture in Australia, it's just like we've been, I guess, programmed to like, what are you doing? Like, right. Calm down. Like, you've done your job. We're the sum of the parts. Yeah. Right? Mm. We're, and so if you have one that's out of line, you got to bring it in or one that's weak. You got to help the team has to fix them. Right. It's like the, it's like mountaineering, right. When you're, when you're roped in together with everybody, right. You're only as strong as your weakest member of that, of that rope game. Right. So that's why you rotate. Everybody rotates through their, their spot in the, in the, when they're, where they're roped in until you get to like a really high level mountaineering because then you have spots in there and all that stuff. But it's the same thing, you know? Yeah. it's, It's interesting. It's not right or wrong. It's just funny how the two cultures, how we've, I guess we've programmed ourselves. But think about Bill Belichick, right? You know, you know who Bill Belichick is, the coach of the, uh, of the Patriots, right? Yeah. He is the kind of the, even though people hate him and that they hate the Patriots because they always win and blah. I mean, lots of people hate the Patriots because they always win. But he is the person that says nobody's going to be this superstar, even though Tom Brady was a superstar. Tom Brady could have made way more money being a quarterback for somebody else yeah. and the team sucked and, but he doesn't like they cap it. And this is, this is who you play unit. for. They got this unit. Yeah. The unit works. And I think that's the beauty in sport. Like if you can get the right, you know, the right people, 
you, know, you could have a team that's just built on individuals. Yep. It's a shit environment. Like I've been in that and it's just yeah. like this, just, we're not going to win anything. Like we're, we're accommodating these guys rather than mm-hmm. everyone. So I think, which I think is a beauty in sport. Like it's not right or wrong. It's like, but then the complexity around working with that and then everyone else saw then you've got this other environment where it's just like, we're all, we don't have superstars, but we've got this team. And I think like the All Blacks, Rugby, the All Blacks, mm-hmm. the book Legacy. I don't know if you've read that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And that's, so their team, they've been the most dominant, I think, sporting team in all sports with their winning record. They wouldn't pick the best player. Like they had a no dickhead policy. So if you were the best player in New Zealand, but you were, um, the attributes you brought to the table didn't fit within the culture of the team, you wouldn't get picked. That's it's, awesome. Yeah. And so the values of the team is built on like the Maori um, values and mm. the, the system. And it's re, the books explains a bit more, but they just have this, this is our culture. And if you're out of line, then you probably don't fit in it. Um, Cause this is who we are and what we uphold, which is like brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Um, so interesting. We're now in an individual sport, mm. right? But yet it's still a team, right? Family, like my goal, right? Whether whether I get pissed or not, right? Because sometimes I get pissed when you headbutt me or mm. whatever. Like it happens, right? Like I'm not pissed at you, but I'm pissed, right? Yeah. Is that I still want to make you better, yeah. right? Like I want to get better, but I also want you to get better at the same time. Correct. And that's an interesting, um, I read a book recently. Um, I think it was a, a effective effective um, neuroscience effective I think it was effective neuroscience and it was talking through that 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 topic and it was if I'm playing with someone and they never let me win and they just dominate me and crush me and it's all about them and their experience then I'm gonna not want to play with them anymore mm-hmm. so f- for me and my play buddy to keep learning and growing together then I've got to have some kind of like I'm gonna let you win this one I'm just going to go a little bit easier just so you want to keep playing with me. Because if I like, if I went in and it was just like, just balls to the wall and just wanted to just tap you 10 times every time we rolled, you'd be like, I don't want to really, that's not fun. That's mm-hmm. not fun to me anymore. Like just trying to survive for four minutes or five minutes. Like that's not, mm. so it's an interesting um, learning thing that, you know, like with kids, like for me to get better at something, there's got to be some, I've got to let him win a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And well, I've got to drop down to fifty percent and let him feel what it's like to to learn and to dominate something or to to win a couple of times. Because mm-hmm. th- then it's like my play buddy's still going to want to play with me. But if I don't allow that experience for him, then he's not going to enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I agree with that on some level, but um, I don't ever want you to let me win. No, well, I think it, where we're, as adults, it's a bit different. But I'm still like I'm still. Not every time I go in just wanting to just like, like I know consciously I'm not trying to just like tap everyone out. Right. I'm You're trying to, to work a move or, or yeah. be smart or do something, right? Like I, I get that, but I don't ever, and I said this to Trevor and he had some witty com- comeback that, that I get why he said it, but it, it still didn't, I don't, I don't really agree with it, I guess. I don't, I don't know what, how else to say it, but I said, thanks for not 
taking it easy on me and like trying to yeah. give me everything he got, right? Mm-hmm. Even though he's a three stripe black belt. And he's like, oh, I didn't give you everything I got. Yeah. Like, I know you didn't. Yeah. But I appreciate you not like just letting me because I'm a white belt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just smash me. That's all I want. Well, I felt Matt like Matt's give, letting, he's let me swept him a couple of times. Mm hmm. But it's nearly like he's let me do it and then he's done something else. Right. So I'm like, oh, I felt that I've got something on. No, I don't. Right. And so he's done, he's let me do that. Like, I know he's relaxed and he mm-hmm. might let me do something, but it, there's the learning in that, which like, if I just lay there and he just crushed me, it's like, that's not fun. <laughs> like, right. So, so he lets you, so you can feel what it's like. And then he flow. says, no, you're going to lose now. Yeah. We've got some flow. We're moving. Mm-hmm. He's getting some stuff in. I'm able to like try and learn and get through some stuff. And it's like, but that's the, it's nice to have that. Cause it was just the reciprocal and just like crush, 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 crush. As a white boy, you're like, this isn't that fine. <laughs> well, unless you're me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's an interesting like idea of, um, you know, you're not going, but there's subconsciously, I think as humans, we're like, oh, we're, there's this little flow of, it's just not crushing, crushing, crushing. We have an interesting crew of blue belts right now too um, in the morning that are amazing. They're young. Yeah. You got Andrew, Ben, Julian that comes in during the day. I think I feel like I'm missing one, but those, those guys are pretty young mm. um, that will like smash you, but they'll also like explain like they're, they're becoming really good like mentors and teachers. Correct. To us, which is really like Ben. Ben is like I almost outweigh him by a hundred pounds. Yeah. Right. And I'll get him right into I'll get him into a dominant position and I'll be like, I don't I'm thinking it through like what to do. And he'll go, put your knee up on my ribs. Yeah. Like he'll tell me how to He's thinking through your <laughs> Yeah, he's like, do this, this is what you need to do. Yeah. And then he'll be like, Quit waiting so long. And like, he doesn't have to fucking do that. Like yeah, but the I fact have- that he's taking the time. I can't remember who I was with yesterday. It was no Wednesday. Wednesday. And I, I was on top and time ran out and I was like, I was in a good position. And he said, look where my arm is. And I was like, I was looking around and, I, and his arm was behind me and I could have just like, I was in a position where I could have done something with it. And I was like, I didn't see that. I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. But he's already like, they've seen it before. Yep. Um, and I had Andrew solid in a arm triangle yeah, or starting for arm triangle, but I couldn't remember which hand to hand off to, to then yeah. get my shoulder in to give him pressure. I was like, fuck, where am I? And finally I figured it out and then he fucking exploded out of it. And got it. Yeah. Got out of it. Yeah. yeah so. it's, it's a, I'm, I'm like, I'm addicted to it. Yeah. Like, it's funny though. Cause I talk to my wife and we're in the middle of the pandemic and she's like, should you be doing that? <laughs> I'm like, probably shouldn't but. i mean for others listening we're socially distancing yeah same partners bert's my only partner correct when we're out there well and we're following all the protocols yes following all protocols um but it's it's funny right it, like I, I couldn't stop doing it oh i couldn't either but. and and the fact that i don't give a fuck who's listening to this and who's that we're doing something active and we're doing things that are going to keep us from being sicker than other people that are not doing anything and not being around other people. So whether whether you think it's social distancing and mask wearing or whatever you feel that is, 
at physical activity and getting stronger only fights disease. Yeah. Like I think I'm at the point where I couldn't go like whatever it was, three, four months without it. Like I'm at the point where I'm like, I trust the people in the gym are doing the right thing. Like we're all smart enough to know we're social. We're doing that is probably the only risky thing I'm doing in my life right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I trust everyone in the gym. I trust the operation. I trust, I trust everybody, but Taylor, sorry, Taylor, I don't trust you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> like I'm, I'm happy to like, it's, I don't even worry about it to be honest. I don't fucking worry about it even. And it's just not my style anymore. Like, like, I mean, uh, we could go down that road and I actually, I don't want to go down that road of Douglas (laughs) County and the numbers and we're fine. Yeah. We're fucking fine. Go underground. (laughs) Yeah. We can just come to my house. (laughs) Go underground. Come to my house. I'll get some fucking mats and nobody can do shit at my house because it's my house. My rules. It's the land of the free. We can do whatever. Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> well, Bert, I think we're gone almost two fucking hours. Yeah, almost, well, two hours. Um, so thanks for coming on. Yeah. Really appreciate it. I'm going to have to have you on again. But um, mm. thanks again, and this has been a real joy. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was, it was fun. It was, it's funny, as much as we've rolled together, I think getting to know each other. Yeah. Like, this is actually really good. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming on. And I, I, I look forward to many years of jujitsu with you and more podcasts and becoming better friends. Yeah, absolutely. Good All on. right. Remember, um, forging perseverance through strength and vulnerability. Peace. <laughs>